0: guys. So, episode 3, the 831 podcast. Things are moving forward, eh? Um really happy with the response to episode 2 with Kevin Ho- Kevin O'Hagan. It's got great response. We're up at like 250 views or something in in under a week. I've had great feedback, some awesome messages. Thank you to everybody who took the time to message me. Positivity all the way for that one Um, some new followers, friends of Kevin's etc, honestly a good podcast, great guy and the response has been great so please if you haven't listened, listen Uh, give Kevin a follow and also go back and listen to the Sasha Dench one that one really deserves everybody to listen she's a a great person who really did do something amazing and for an amazing reason so yeah go and have a listen to that one and We'll keep pushing forward. Um, as always, sponsor-wise, Trojan Fitness, Trojan Nutrition, my long-term sponsors. This is sponsored by them and will forever be sponsored by them. Um, hit them up. All your training needs in Bristol, all your nutritional needs in Bristol, please hit those guys out there. Good long-term friends of mine. So please um, hit them up, yeah. Uh, le- episode three. Episode 3 is a bit different to the other two in that it's a long-term friend of mine, one of my best friends, um, Nigel King. Nigel's a bird presenter, falconer, animal trainer. Um, He's been part of my MMA career. He's a really close friend, friend of my family. I'm a friend of his family great guy, very interesting honestly like a a really knowledgeable guy when it comes to to animals and in particular birds and birds of prey. Nigel's is like super knowledgeable this This podcast gives a small reflection of that, but we didn't go too in depth into his knowledge, but you'll you'll get a taste for how knowledgeable the guy is in the realms of falconry birds, birds of prey. Sparrow Hawks, etc. You'll you'll get a feel for that. It's very falconry heavy in the first quarter, maybe, of the podcast. um, Which some of you are going to really enjoy, I know. But it is really falconry heavy for a little bit. Then we go into my career and some stuff about me. And we go into Nigel's personal life and what Nigel's doing now. We get into animal training. We cover MMA stuff. We Just some general new stuff that's on at the moment just yeah it gets into a really good podcast just Nigel a a great guy I can sit down with night after night and have two three hour long conversations with so it was a podcast it was inevitable and the first ever practice podcast I did was with Nigel so I've been looking forward to getting him on now that it's released and I sat down and it, it was exactly as I expected it to be, you know, and I think you guys are going to like it and you'll see Nigel a lot more as the podcasts progress because I'll be getting him back on as a guest, but also I'd like to have him on as like a third person with other guests because he's so diverse and he's fun and he's got stories to tell. So, yeah, I think you'll enjoy this one. I certainly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah have a listen as always feedback's very much wanted like always looking for more suggestions on people to get podcasts whether it's a musician that you know a poet a film star just your mate who's had an interest in life anything you can think of if you think that they have a story to tell and i have a platform to give that a platform to give them the opportunity to tell their story Please hit me up, and we will get them. We'll get we'll give them the platform, and I would love to meet them and listen to them. So yeah, if you listen to this, please share share the podcast, and hopefully, other people will suggest guests as well. But I'd like to keep it going, and we're hitting like one a week at the minute, and I'd like to keep progressing with one a week for now. And uh, so yeah, guests as many guest suggestions as I can get, really. Um, in the meantime. Really enjoyed this podcast. I hope you really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. Nigel's a great friend. Follow him. Follow what he's doing. Listen to the podcast. Hopefully you'll laugh and you'll learn something maybe. And yeah, episode three, Nigel King. Thanks very much, guys. I'll catch you on the next one. Right, so Nigel, thanks for joining me on the podcast, mate. That's right, mate. Fucking, uh, it's been a while, mate. It's bit like, It seems like it's been forever since we uh, got together. I've Obviously, I've been off doing loads of things. You've been busy, work, etc. It seems like forever since we got together.
1: Yeah, it must be. I probably haven't seen you since, uh, uh, let me think now. Last time I saw you, it was probably at Roy's. At Roy yeah. Lupton's yeah it's got to be what a year ago
0: since when, when we'd
1: done a podcast that went horribly wrong
0: <laughs> that was the first attempt that was the early days that was the practice the early days yeah. we've got a bit more sensible with it now the practice that led up to this really yeah and then uh, life's been busier since then got a different job
1: yeah
0: yeah so got myself a proper job
1: rather than one plain, playing, playing you know, making it all about myself so yeah
0: sounds horrible sounds horrible mate no
1: it's good I like it
0: yeah, well, it's brought you down here, you know. So, I'm more frequently down here now, so we'll get to see each other more, and that will be it, good. And you'll probably be sick of me in a couple of weeks. I'm sick of you already. <laughs> <just got> here. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been, uh, you've been doing the bird displays and uh, animal training, etc., for years, and like always on the scene <coughs> doing education, like animal education, bird of prey education, and now you're into your new role what's the transition like you missing the displays without, or have you got to a point where you're sort of sort of not had enough but you know you're sort of like well i needed a, a different direction i just
1: think that uh there was a time when i was really really hungry for the bird of prey stuff i really you know i used to like doing the big falconry fairs and and i just sort of uh i got imperial imperial bird of prey academy in essex and i started it with next to nothing build it up and then the constant
0: travelling to Essex sort of got me down and I sort of... You'd have never known from your Facebook posts, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know. daily, daily, yeah. daily pictures stuck on the M2, mate. You'd have never known that. I,
1: that. I know, but <clears throat> funnily enough, I spend more time on the road in the new job, but in this job, if I'm sitting in traffic, I actually get paid for it, which makes it a little bit more yeah. palatable.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a ball ache, travelling. Travelling at the best of time, is a ball ache but when you're sat in traffic to go and do a job that at the end of the day you're not 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 enthusiastic about it for but it becomes mundane because so it's the same thing over and over again you know that's how it got with the gym eventually look I'd get in the gyms five minutes from my house but I ended up not even wanting to really train because I'd be getting up and I'd be getting up to go to the gym that I was training at, knowing that when I finished training, I'd have to clean the mats, prepare the gym, get ready to open, teach classes, train again in the afternoon. And it took the love of training away because I owned the gym. I had to do all the stuff in the gym as well.
1: Well, I've just just got myself a new Sparrowhawk, uh, which I'm hopefully going to enjoy now. It's been, you know, a fair few years now when I got Imperial. It sort of took away it took away the falconry aspect of things for me because I was just doing demos and educational work and I just wasn't really practising any proper falconry. I was sort of, you know, just flying birds and educating people. It's it's not the same. And I sort of missed that. Uh, I missed those days and hopefully they'll come back again now.
0: Yeah, like, we we've had some wicked times flying birds together, like eagles, spars. We've had my best memories of flying spars were out with you flying spars. You know, like the, the my greatest sparrowing memory memories, and that disappeared for a long time. Like you didn't fly. People, a lot of people don't even know you really as a falconer. They know you more as a a bird of prey display guy, or you know, someone who owned uh imperial they did not really know you as a falconer not seeing you on field meets etc and uh i think it's like it's a big part that was missing like to just fly birds of prey instead of being a falconer people don't guys who are listening who don't know the difference they're not falconers like just because you own a bird of prey you're not necessarily a falconer and with your role like what the guys probably won't know what your role was what were you doing at imperial and not just at imperial obviously you've you've spoke at some of the biggest falconry shows across the UK just to give a a sort of an outline of what your role was what you were actually doing <coughs> wanted
1: well, to educate the public i mean uh I've done a lot of schools universities colleges just uh spreading the word really about what I love uh and I've always said that you know it wasn't never about the money, although you know you, you can make a little bit of money out of it. But you'll never be rich doing it. But it's just it's the passion, and uh, you know when people would come and do an experience down they'd go away talking about how fantastic it was and, and your knowledge. You're sort of uh, it's it's fulfilling, you know. It's uh, it's a great thing to do, and you know we're not. It's not like you know I'm one of these people that go in a garden centre shaking tins for money. We're, we're actually a, well, not in your job. Just. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I do that on, on a Saturday night. It's <laughs> a hobby. Uh, to put some old clothes on, go down, and can actually make a few quid. But uh, yeah, uh, but the one thing I will say that you know that's come out of it is it's great seeing my daughter, who's been involved since she was a little girl, and now having her own centre that we've 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 put together, and she's now, you know, I think she always felt that she had some big shoes to fill and that, but. You know, I'm pretty sure that most people who know know Molly now. Uh, you know, she's done it all herself, and uh, you know, I'm really proud of her, actually.
0: Yeah, and as well, you should be. Like, my daughter got into a falconry a little bit, and she knows how to fly a bird. But Molly's obviously taken. It must be great to have a, a son or a daughter who's passionate about something that you're really passionate about and she, she didn't really have a choice to be honest yeah, yeah. yeah sort of <laughs> it's honest. called brainwashing yeah <laughs> press ganging yeah uh, but you like to see her so passionate about the thing that you were so passionate about it that must be that must be brilliant you know that must be a a really nice thing to to watch and to see and and it it also helped me make the break away <clears throat> from the business into
1: the the role now which is completely different but it's something I needed to do for myself. I needed to, uh, you know, when you got a centre and, like I said, you can earn some good money, but you never know where the next buck's coming from. So you could have a corporate event where you'd earn, you know, a decent amount of money and then you'd go really quiet for a, for a month. <coughs> the next month it would, you know, you'd be scraping around and then the next month you'd have a great month. So having like a, you know, having employment and having a good job is, is, uh, it's much better for me now, Phil. Stress-wise stress, stress and stuff I bet it's. I don't... Do you know what? Everyone says, oh, you know, some of the people that I look at... It, there's a lot of paperwork involved in this job now, and uh, people say, oh, you know, does that stress you out? Not at all. Uh, the the travelling doesn't stress me out now either. Uh, don't ask me why. It's just, I suppose it's so much of a change, going down a different route, that, you know, I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, which is good. Look,
0: you're uh doing you must have felt constrained do you know what I mean because doing the same talks over again and do you, it must you be you talks <coughs> everyone's heard your talks <laughs> yeah I'm the guy who used to, you used to have to practice your talks on me oh, I've got this new bird I've got this and I'd hear you at the talk I'd know it before you even went to anywhere <laughs> If you sat sat at Jemima's at the fair or whatever and listening to it my lips would be saying the same things that everyone's hearing you know um but it must, like, it's constrained, it must be constraining, like, feeling, when you're there, doing the same thing over and over again, you're just, so, and it's great, the educational side of it, and the promotion of folk because, I mean, Falconry is, is, like, it's big now, but as long as ass at the same time, I feel like, you may not agree, but for me, growing up, and when I first got into falconry it was... Nobody had birds of prey. There was like four people that I knew had birds of prey. So to get into falconry, I, I sort of did a bit of an apprenticeship with a guy, a local guy called Alan Flowers, who looking back at now wasn't really a falconer. He had birds of prey though. Like, great guy, knowledgeable. um But n- not many people had birds of prey and the education side of it. Certainly, you never really saw people at massive fairs and that. Now you look at the trader ads the free ads there's guaranteed every week to be birds of prey for sale everyone's <coughs> got a bird of prey every, on, Fulcrum, on Facebook all the groups are huge and I just you know it's the, the education side of it seems to be it's weird because the education side of it seems to be really good within the falconry community so if you go to a falconry fair where you do a talk or Jemima does a talk the educational talk is fantastic but I wonder how many people actually hear that before getting a bird of prey? Or how many people have got birds of prey and still have never been to any of those shows and heard that
1: before? Well, I,
0: the Facebook
1: thing <coughs> is uh, something I look at, but I tend not to comment. I think the the internet has ruined it. Like you said, no one had a bird of prey when you first got one, the same with me. I mean, you used to have to travel 30 miles to meet another falconer. and yeah. You know i remember every thursday running down to the shop to get the cajun Avery birds and yeah. there was a little section in it birds to pray for sale and there'd be only half a dozen birds yeah. in there and you'd be like wow what's for sale this week and now you can click on something like bird trader I and mean, there's thousands of birds available and there's, there's no there's no vetting of people anymore and it's just it's a shame the way that it's gone and you know it's uh sort of upsetting in a way because it used to be a unique a unique hobby or a unique pastime
0: and I still like I still think falconry is a unique pastime <coughs> owning a bird of prey isn't but I think falconry is still quite unique because owning a bird of prey doesn't make you a falconer or an or an ostringer like it just doesn't like so many people have got a harris hawk but they're not falconers they've got no connection to the heritage they've got no understanding of quarry they have got no field crafts out the window it's i've got my bird and i go out hunting and i catch whatever gets up in front of me all very well but that's not falconry falconry is a a lineage there's understanding the seasons of what to catch what to fly understanding how a, how to put a cockbird up from a point to fly in the right direction to get the best flight, not just mug it. Like all those aspects. Not, I mean, I'm being I'm being completely generalising here. Obviously, I am being probably unfair to a lot of people, but it just seems like that side of the sport is lost. And having a bird of prey just seems enough for some people.
1: Yeah, there's some uh, <coughs> there's some great people about uh, that you know uh, still. Call, I suppose I'm one, a bit of a traditionalist. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I don't really like hybrid birds. I, I'm more of a, you know, a traditionalist. I like to fly goshawks at, at, at quarries, crows, pheasants, whatever, you know. I don't like flying about rabbits. Uh, a lot of people do, a lot of people are successful with it. Always having a sparrowhawk as your first bird was always, my, you know, that, that made me passionate about flying, you know, flying birds. I could, uh, I could. You know, I couldn't really go out all day flying rabbits. I think I'd get bored.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: I I think there's more something more to it and there's more something magical about uh flying a, a short wing for me than sort of, you know, going out of a Harris Although I'm not putting Harris down because they've in a way they've they've been terrible for the for the sport, yeah. but they've also been really, Mate, very tell you something.
0: In... That Harris bit that I trained on my daughter last season was probably I mean, it's got to be top three most fun birds I've ever flown in my life. Oh, it was <coughs> such a great bird. It was so intelligent, super fast, super aggressive, wanted, really wanted to hunt. It was everything that I th- I'd forgotten that Hawks could be. It was a pleasure to fly, mate. Honestly, like I really, really enjoyed flying it. And to go from the from the eagles to go and take on a, a hawk again, it was for Ash. So I didn't really end up to expect to end up flying it at all. But when I did, I loved it. I absolutely loved flying that Harris Hawk. And I think if you fly a Harris Hawk to its potential, I can see it flying as well as a goss. And for the terrain that I fly in even maybe better because I don't want 400 yard tail chases with the put in where I can't see it I want off the fist quick sprints 100 yards maybe it misses okay or I want go out with my daughter and the dog put the bird up in the tree go for a walk you know something like that I want it's simple it's nice but what a bird man honestly it was really it really was a great bird I can't it really changed my way of thinking on how it talks definitely what well,
1: is you've got to look at it from what is the terrain for a harrisalk look at the terrain for a number of harrisalks in the country now you're talking about the city of london yeah with all the pest control that's going on and it's an urban jungle for them so you know they adapt really really well and i'll like say they, they in a way they've been fantastic for falconry but again you know terrible in the same breath because you know the amount of people how accessible they are uh, and getting back to you know people that have got uh, <coughs> got birds you got to look at how many people change their birds and one year they've got one bird then another one then another one then another one where you've got and i mentioned two guys in particular here when i talk about a ladder went to school with called sean kemsley he uh he got a Hawk. I, I think he flew it for about 13 years yeah <clears throat> he had a full-time job every weekend he'd go out he caught hundreds and hundreds of well he had hundreds and hundreds of kills hundreds belt of it uh it's a testament to him really, keeping the same bird. Again, uh a guy that came to me years ago and I mentored him, Mick Bourne. Got his it. first bird, which was a red tail. <coughs> he's never had another bird. What and a great that bird is well. Eleven, twelve years now yeah. flown the same bird and it's a testament to him that, you know, he's managed to keep the same bird going and you know how many people can you say, you know,
0: I can count them on one hand really, the amount of people Sean Whitehurst as well, he's flown a male arasok for years, hasn't he? That Mel what, Harris Walker Sean's. Yeah, yeah. Years one. he had that for right. Yeah, yeah. He lost it last season. Did he lose it? I think. I'm Did not he sure last it. season, but he flew it for years. He you know? flew Harris Hawk to its complete potential. Like saw like it was always on Facebook the same Harris Hawk, So mm. lots of people would. He it had some it. pictures of it with David Essex. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you like that one, Sean? <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> <So. sighs> um, yeah, I just think you know that, that is a understated art falconry it's get, the word gets thrown around way too easily just because you own a bird of prey you know like you're a falconer like, ha, the amount of falconers who don't make their own equipment that's oh, like listen you're like this and that's not uh, I mean that's I don't want to be putting any uh, equipment manufacturers out of business because there's a place for them and it's brilliant but <laughs> I take pride in being able to make anything from a hood down to a buet. you know yeah definitely I mean
1: you know, this is the classic when I'd be at the centre and someone would come in dressed in a suit and they'd say, hi, have you, we, uh, did you sell jesses for Harris Hawks? And uh, I'd say, well, yeah, I could make you some. And they would turn around and say to me, yeah, because uh, I haven't got time to make the jesses. Uh, and I'd think to myself, well, if you haven't got time to make a set of jesses, which takes about five minutes, have you where done, on earth would you find time to fly your bird? How have you driven here? You've driven here to buy jesses, which has taken you longer than it would take me to make jesses. Exactly. So this is, you know... And also, have you seen some of the, some of the stuff that is available online? Uh, I mean, you have got some very rep- reputable uh, furniture and equipment makers, but some of the other stuff, I mean, it's just awful. It looks like it's been made
0: out of my dad's leather jacket. Yeah. It's just awful. Yeah. Awful equipment. And Because you get... Because people it becomes money making when you're running a business you have to make money so people compromise I think that's where I went wrong yeah yeah I'm <laughs> there me, yeah, mate. but people compromise well comp- if it's my equipment I'm making for my bird obviously I'm going to take pride in it being great equipment it's going to be seeing it feel <coughs> when it's, I want to make sure that I do a really good job I don't want to lose my bird off the garden if you're trying to sell as many jessies as you can eventually you've got to get to the point where you get a system of banging out jessies so you can make money yeah. so I understand I get it I get why they're doing it, but it's not the route that I... Which is why it's hard talking about stuff like this because I don't offer a solution of what's going wrong. I think maybe an apprenticeship scheme or something would be good, but then at the same time, having apprenticed somebody, you don't always have control over them and you don't always have an input to how they fly their bird once they have their bird. And that's not to say that the person I helped did, is doing it wrong or did it wrong it's just to say it made me realise that once they have flown the nest for want of a less less of a pun um, you have very little control over them now. zero control so yeah so you put your name to something that you then can't your name remains with that so I've been doing falconry for 22 years or something my name is forever on the person who are met who I mentored in seven years time when someone says something about falconry people, oh yeah Wesley Merch was my mentor so that's forever for his whole forkery career now so what? however what he chooses to do when he chooses to do it and how your name gets put on it. luckily I got lucky and the guy I mentored did listen and he's done a great job with his bird and now flies up Mel Harris so done a great job Wayne's done really well with that so I got lucky but it did make me realise you put your name to something you have little control over so although well, apprenticeship might be a good way to go at the same time, it's got its, <coughs> it's, got its drawbacks as well. Well, we, we used to run courses. Well, we still do.
1: We, we run courses uh, at Imperial. And people would say, I want to get a bird of prey. So I would say before I even think about giving you a course, come and have a chat. So I'd sit down for an hour and explain to them about what they let themselves in for. And half the time you're trying to put the person off. And if you can't put them off, then you give them a course. And then but like you say, you know they could do something really stupid they could go out you know in six months time do something really stupid and that's say oh, well who taught you about birds and they say well Nigel King taught me yeah. and then you know so you are putting your name to it yeah and you know another thing you get people you know they come and do a course they get a harris hawk and then a year later they want to get another bird and then they you get a newbie come along and they want to get a bird and then this person who's been doing it for a year Starts giving them advice. Yeah. The
0: blind leading the blind. The blind leading the blind. Because somebody listens to their mentor, they have a decent season, half decent season, they feel that they're in a position to give that advice, when what you really have given them is you've shared some knowledge, but you've held loads back because... You don't want to tell them no to stuff because it's going to pollute what they're going to do with the bird. If you tell everybody lots of negatives, like if, if you're a professional fighter for me and I tell you you're going to get punched, you're going to get kicked, it's going to hurt, someone's going to smash your feet. You might turn and be like, I don't really know about this. But if I tell you how not to get punched, how not to get kicked, how not to get hurt and then slowly as you train more you realise getting punched, getting kicked and getting hurt is part of fighting, you're accustomed to it, it's just part of it. The same with, with flying the birds. If I tell you all the all the problems and how to deal with them, you're either going to create those problems because you expect that to be part of falconry or it might put you off of doing it as where you tell somebody enough so that they can get by, give them enough, but then they have to experience things for themselves, find problems, come back to you with a problem, you share your knowledge on that problem and the next problem arises, you share more knowledge and there you go. You can't make someone a complete falconer because owning a bird of prey is obviously a big part of that i I do believe that to be a good falconer you have to be a a good
1: naturalist really Uh, you know you have to feel it i've always said that falconers i think they're born they're not made you can't make someone into a falconer. You that's your saying, is it, mate? You that's, made that, that's a little bit of a. <laughs> made, made I'm got to put yourself, quote yeah. in my book, that one. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Falconers are born and born not Born and not made. made, okay, like yeah. That if, if like
0: rings that a bell, that's yours. Awesome. Rings like a bell, it. that's here, <laughs> <saying>, mate, yeah. <laughs> you've had many bells ring. Yeah, I've mean, had <laughs> my bell wrong many times.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. But I do feel you've got to be a certain type of person. There's always. You see, there's good and bad falconers there's those people that go out and they just feel you know let's just go and kill as much stuff as we can because that's what it's about it's not it's about flying your bird you know it should be natural you should teach your bird you know well you don't have to teach your bird it's hardwired to kill stuff but it should flow you know you should respect your quarry stuff you're catching and you should enjoy it
0: it's part of nature that's how I've always looked at it yeah so people find it weird when I say to them that I don't enjoy to kill stuff because, especially people who don't hunt, they I don't enjoy killing animals. I take no enjoyment from killing an animal. The moment where I have to dispatch an animal is the furthest thing from enjoyment that I could ever imagine. Do you apologise to it like an avatar? Yeah, yeah. Just, like just have a fun. It's funny because <laughs> I do in a way because it has a consequence for me. When I'm bringing that animal home and I'm going to butcher it, let's say if I catch a deer, I'm going to bring it home and butcher it. I'm thinking about that all the way home. I'm thinking about it. When I butcher it, I'm thinking about what I've done. I'm not doing it whistling dixie and not caring. Consequentially, that plays on my mind. Not that not so much I don't want to do it again, but I know what I've done. I, I'm conscious of what I've done and what what's just happened. And I take zero pleasure. Zero pleasure out of dispatching that animal and killing it like even when i'm putting out of his misery taking an animal's life it doesn't i take no pleasure from it hunting an animal i really take pleasure from the when i'm out with me and my bird and we're hunting the weighing up the way that the wind direction is thinking about where a hare, a deer a fox might be being stealthily spotting something spotting a hare on a seat getting into a good position to get the slip All of those things I love. Taking the hood off and then the second that bird's out of my hand knowing it's now out of my control. It's natural bird against prey species against predator species against prey species. That's natural. I have no control now. Those bits I love. Like absolutely love. But when it comes to the actual kill I have zero enjoyment. Uh, Zero enjoyment whatsoever. I think if there was a way to if there was if there were a wild remote controlled game I would take as much pleasure hunting that, they're, you know. There more or less is now with the roe crows. Yeah, but, but even the roe crows being controlled. If I could go for a walk and there spontaneously would be a roe crow, th- I would do that. That would interest me. It really what? would. But the amount of people that fly them without tracking
1: on them are losing roe crows in fields, they could hybridise with the wild population. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: but, I, yeah, like I, I would do that. I would hunt... That sort of quarry, even though it's because the kill. Okay, I butcher. If, if I catch a deer, I butcher a deer. And if I catch a hare, it either gets fed to the animals or I eat or I eat the hair. Nothing goes to waste. hare watch. pie or something. It doesn't go to waste unless you're killing a uh, species like a fox or something. Then, which has to be elaborated. It's hunted with a bird of prey. It's not fox hunting with dogs and horses. <coughs> it, usually, it's me out on my own. Sometimes I might have my dog who might go on point, but generally, it's me out on my own and there might be a fox in the middle of a rape field or come out of a small copse in the middle of a field and it's my bird one slip against the fox the flight's over in a couple it's not the same as fox hunting Um, yeah if I'm hunting another predator species like that that has no no predator and it's different I don't use that for meat it's just pest control then but I don't take any enjoyment of killing even a pest species like that it's simply the hunting I take enjoy and I've slipped on maybe thirty foxes in my career of flying golden eagles and I've caught two. So it's not like it's a, an effective way of killing. The, the fox hunting thing's
1: always a uh yeah, you know, there's always a debate when it comes to foxes and I actually quite I quite like foxes. Uh, but uh you know, they have to be controlled, don't they? It's people don't again that's a whole that's a whole debate on its own. Yeah. I I actually shot one the other day and but it was for a reason, and uh, obviously it, was, it had killed one of our birds, and it had to, you know, it was just it was just coming back and trying to predate on the birds, so, and uh, so I didn't get any pleasure from shooting it. And I've got to say, when I I picked it up, I looked at it and realised what a fantastic looking animal it is. Yeah, and I was, it's funny because I picked one up the other day. I was driving down to Hastings from my job at two o'clock in the morning, and I saw a, a cub in the road that had been clipped, and I I. I got out of the van and picked it up, put it in the van and we took it to a wildlife center. So it's, you know, it, the amount of pigeons that, you know, the pigeons that over the years that, you know, have been shot and and one day I was driving along the road and I saw one in the road, a wood pigeon, it was injured, I was with Molly and we picked it up and we kept that thing for three months. We thought it was going to die, it added some skin off the top of its head and it couldn't fly. and. We nursed it back to health and, and actually released it. Which yeah. is, and I don't know why, because when I think about it, the amount of pigeons that, you know I've had and shot and fed to the ferrets and that sort of thing. But that one bird, just for some reason, we took it in and it, you know,
0: we just. I remember when I was younger and I had an air rifle, me and my brother were out on a roof, on the shed roof just shooting, trying to shoot birds. And I'd never shot a bird before. And I took a shot, and it was honestly, mate. I was like fucking Chris Kyle. I was like a proper sniper. I was stuff. with this shot, <laughs> like <laughs> in exactly. the wind, enemy like, at the gates. Honestly, it was the shot. It's. I think now it's still on record. It's the best air rifle shot ever. It just. It was amazing. <laughs> but I shot a dove in the wing. In the wing? Well, it weren't that wing, good a shot, oh, was it? You meant to hit, hit him
1: in the head. I was like. <laughs>
0: I was like 12 or 13 or something I was young and uh, it spiralled down I was so excited and I ran over and I saw it was still alive that was it mate took that dove back to my house nursed it for <coughs> months and months and months till it could fly across the kitchen then it could fly through the house then it would fly back the house and one day I opened the door and it flew outside and, and it flew on top of the shed roof. And a sparrow and hole killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried desperately to get it back. I was <laughs> chucking seed down. I was going out with, a, with my hands. And it was quite tame. It wouldn't fly away now. And, but it flew and it took off and it was gone. And I was gutted. Gutted because I'd lost it. But the, for, when I killed, when I shot it and I thought I'd killed it, I was excited. And as soon as I realised I'd injured it, I was sick. I was like, oh, it's I need to get it better, I've made it, I've injured it, you know, I couldn't dispatch it at that time, I had to go and, and get it better, and now, people bring me birds all the time, or animals, or I get messages, where's somebody's found this, can you come and help, or where's, all the time, because, I've got this vision, of you with like, little baby
1: blue tits in that beard, <laughs> sticking out, like, <laughs> like a World of gummage.
0: character, yeah, yeah a World of gummage character, yeah, like, <coughs> you're not close <coughs> I've that vision, I'm sure, but, I, like i'm a conservationist i'm a i i like animals i like nature i like i don't dislike them so i hunt them i i like them i realize there's consequences to to everything that I do from driving a car chuck if someone chucks litter down on the floor i understand those consequences because i'm a conservationist and i'm a conservationist who hunts and people find that line very hard to i don't understand it they, that's what it's ignorant but it's an ignorance like no other, I find, in that... It makes you look know no critical. Ignorant. Well, people know that they're ignorant to it, but they want to remain ignorant. And you'll say to them, yeah, but you don't understand, hunting, Let me just give you... I don't want to hear about... It. No, but I know you're saying you don't want to hear about it... But I promise you, once you hear, you'll realise you are completely wrong about what you're thinking. And I can educate you. And if if after being educated, you still dislike it, I fully respect that. And I don't want you to become a hunter. I'm saying, understand something before you dislike it. Or before you say it's cruel. Before you label me. Understand what it is that I do. And if you still hate it after that, then I respect you. I respect that opinion. (coughs) But understand, I don't want to. And then you realise what well, you, can't, you can't let those opinions affect you and what you do because at the end of the day, you're not what these people think you are and these people who believe you are won't allow you to educate them anyway. You'll get halfway through educating
1: someone and they'll stop listening. It's, it's a really interesting story and you'll like this. Obviously, you know I've been out to South Africa a lot, worked on conservation projects and it was only last year I spoke to someone that actually worked Well, we actually were staying with people you actually know uh, Beth yeah yeah yeah, that's she, yeah yeah. so she came so we went to stay with her and her, her husband to be in South Africa and we was talking about uh, game you know reserves and anti-rhino poaching and that type of thing and it, there was something on Facebook about a lion getting shot and everyone was up in arms about this lion Sassan, getting shot Sassan. saying yeah, Cecil the lion, yeah. the uh, yeah, the, the dentist shot him. Yeah. But, but what a lot of people don't realize is that game hunting, some of it isn't what it's portrayed as. I mean, a lot of people don't know how much money it costs to run a reserve. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, there was a lion, and I don't know if you, well, you, you know, but a lot of people don't know that when a lion is ousted from its pride as the alpha male, It's it's on its own, and it was challenged, there was only a particular lion was challenged by a a youngster, and it was ousted, and it got bitten in the leg, so it was having a job to walk. Uh, Obviously it never hunted, because the lionesses are the ones that do the hunting. So it went off on its own, it was walking around the reserve, limping, getting thinner and thinner, slowly starving to death. So people in the reserve had to make a decision, on what was going to happen to that lion. Now in South Africa there are no sanctuaries for lions. lions are not, they're two a penny. People don't want lions, you can't give a lion away so the lion's limping around getting thinner and thinner. A decision has to be made and that decision is to to cull the lion to shoot him so you know he's not suffering anymore. Now ask yourself a question, it costs a lot of money to run a reserve for the security, for the rhinos and that type of thing. You know people cost money, security guards and you say to yourself, "Well, do I go out as a marksman? You know, I'm rifle train and shoot that lion, or do I put it up for offer to a game hunter who's also a very good shot? So, and he'll pay you thirty to forty thousand pounds to shoot that lion. Yeah.
0: So, you ask yourself the question: What do you do? What would you do? For, isn't it, isn't, it's a no-brainer for me? The Look, forty thousand yeah, pounds. no-brainer. Goes for towards
1: me. goes towards security. For the rest of the animals in the reserve. Yeah, yeah, that's what keeps the rest of the animals safe. That's what, but people don't yeah. understand that. I no, just see the exactly. lion getting shot and they're like, oh, that's cruel, that's wicked, he's paid money. Yeah, he's paid money. Okay, he's paid money, that's his yeah. prerogative, what he wants to do. The However, thing, but money. the only
0: thing for me, and this does bother me, not bother me like it bothers other people, it does bother me and I don't like it, I don't enjoy it. Why fucking post and put it on Facebook would you posing with the lion? I get it, That's I, I completely agree, you're a big big game hunter, it's not my thing. I wouldn't go and shoot the lion, because I don't care if I had a million pound, there's better things I'd spend 40 grand on. But, you've done that. You understand because you're a big game hunter, all those things. It's a trophy for you. As far as I'm concerned, you then taking the picture posting next to that lion, knowing how controversial it is, and then posting it on Facebook you create the problem or you open the problem for yourself because you surpass and I've posted pictures with some of my kills but I've not um, there's millions of things that I've killed that I've never posted pictures of but millions (laughs) three or four but (coughs) if I was to go and shoot this lion which I know is massively controversial and I've paid 40 grand for it because it is taboo let's say I would not post a picture of it on Facebook, and if I did, I would expect all the grief that comes with. Yeah, I that.
1: agree. I agree. You're not. You're shooting what? What are you paying forty grand for to show it off? Or That's exactly paying, it. Or you would be shooting it because you can say,
0: "Well, I actually've always wanted to yeah. shoot one." And these people who shoot giraffes, etc., like that, take a picture with it, have a picture on your wall with it, but taking a picture and posting it on on social media for me is bad taste. It's, and I'm a, I'm pro hunting. I'm a hunter it's bad I see I see no other reason for it to be there than it It, being bad taste. it's the same thing as you know loving animals the way we do and then seeing
1: people put pictures of people abusing animals and you know animals getting tortured on on, you know I mean things like that I hate and it comes up on my my feed time and time again and I just it, it upsets me
0: yeah
1: you know so yeah I can understand why people would get upset but you know Regarding the lo- people do not understand some things,
0: but and this is the thing: if if something upsets me, generally I will do one or two things. I'll turn my back on it and have nothing to do with the subject, or I'll research the subject and educate myself. So if I was that offended by big game shooting, big game hunting, the posting imp- the posting of pictures, <coughs> and people paying money, to- if it offended me that much, I would either have nothing to do with it, i.e. something appears on my feed, I delete it from my feed, or I never respond to it, or I would educate myself. And I would go away and I'd say, why is this happening? In 2017, this barbaric, terrible thing, cruelty to animals, people shooting lions, it's so bad. Why is this happening? Why are we allowing this to happen? And then in educating myself, I would realise all the all the things that you've just pointed out. So I think that the ignorance behind it is one of two things. It either doesn't offend you that much, it's just something you don't really enjoy, and you say it's horrible and it offends you, because that's easier than saying, well, I'm a bit indifferent about it. Or, you can't be bothered to educate yourself, which means it doesn't offend you that much anyway. So I think if you're going to criticise these people, you have to understand them. It's not right to criticise somebody who you don't understand. I, don't, I For me personally, that's my point of view. I'm not saying it's the right point of view. But for me, if I'm going to call you names and throw your name up in slanderous comments, and like there are people... People ruined this dentist's business, his livelihood, honour him. I mean, the guy sounds like a dick from what I've read about him anyway. But they were after this guy how many of them educated themselves and realised how important big game hunting is to to conservation how, exactly how many of them did do that and listen and generalising again I'm sure there are many that have but I guarantee there's lots that aren't and we saw it recently with the with the general election when um, Theresa May said about repealing the ban on fox hunting my Facebook went wild honestly mate like fox hunt is barbaric it's cruel it's this it's that now I've never how many people have been on a fox hunt exactly yeah I've never been on a fox hunt I've been invited lots of times never been on a fox hunt ever in my life um always declined to go on a fox hunt why doesn't interest me I have no interest in it and excuse me and that's why at the same time though I never break fox hunting ever because I've never been I think if I was going to say how cruel and terrible it was and blah, blah, blah I would go and I would witness it and I would say, actually, yeah, it's exactly how I said it was, how people said it was going to be. Or actually, no, it's not what people said. So for me, I don't say anything <coughs> because I'm not pro fox hunting and I'm certainly not anti fox hunting. It's not my sport. I don't know about the sport, so I cannot berate it in any way.
1: Yeah, I agree. Getting back to the, the you know, the stuff online that people see, they see online, when you think about it, it was always there, but you never used to see it. Because of Facebook and yeah, stuff now. Yeah. Because now you have got phones and people record things. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing horrendous things that you you'd hear about it, but you know you could just go off and have your dinner, and now, but because you have got it on a screen in front of you, it's replaying in your head, and you're actually thinking about it because you've seen it. You know, on a video. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you show you now know it it brings it home. It's that it's real. Whereas in the past it would be like, oh yeah, this is happening. Yeah. But when you see it in your own eyes, it imprints on you. You know exactly.
0: Like, it imprints. So then you have that vi- that image with you. And people who people will say, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about. Look, like, okay, so what do you know? Well, that Cecil thing. I'm like, yeah, no, I get. Okay, so you, you understand about Cecil? Yeah, well, it's it. I'm like, no, you're an expert in one thing, the Cecil the lion incident. You're an expert in that now. I get that. You know more about the Cecil the Lion incident than I do. I'll admit that to you. What do you know about big game hunting? Well, it's all the same. Boom. Your argument's washed. It's gone. What you've done is you've seen one thing that offended you and you made the effort to go and educate yourself on that one thing that offended you, not the subject as a whole. It's like watching one MMA fight and being an expert on MMA. Like watching Conor McGregor knock out Jose Aldo in thirteen seconds, and then telling me about Jose Aldo's career. Based on that, what happened? You couldn't. You wouldn't be able to scratch the surface. You wouldn't know anything about Jose Aldo based on the thirteen seconds he had with Conor McGregor. I don't think he knew much about it, really. To be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> oh. But that's what it's that for me is exactly what it's like. How are you basing your whole opinion? Because you're now an expert on that one subject. You're not. You're that. Like, you're an expert on. Cecil The mind. internet makes people experts. Yeah. It's like do you remember that
1: self diagnosis. Yeah. You get something wrong with you. You got a cough. You got a headache. Didn't You, you have a o- self
0: diagnosis book? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you didn't, <coughs> you, didn't go, you? You go straight you go straight on the internet and you in say, so, Oh my god, I've got this wrong with me because the internet says so. In yeah. the, the old days you just go to your doctor. And but yeah. now but now you're straight online, aren't you? Oh. I've got a lump come up underneath my arm. Yeah. Or, you know, one of my balls is bigger than the other. You know? It's always been like that anyway, but, like, but you know, <laughs> so you're looking straight online and, you know, panicking. Sorry, yeah, it's the internet. Thing. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. It's like the Matrix. Yeah.
0: But, uh, but, and because... Apple, otherwise known as Skynet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you... But what you've done there is point out something that's really... Because the internet is not only doing exactly what the example you said and... It's people are getting all their information from there and then they're becoming experts. What people are doing as well from the internet is they're detaching themselves from what's happening physically as well as mentally because they're not out in the big wide world seeing it happen anymore.
1: No. So
0: these people are reading about it online and making a judgment and then studying it online and becoming an expert. They're not living their lives outside of it anymore. So they're becoming detached physically and mentally from the subject. We're going to start talking about technology, now, aren't we? No, we're not. Open
1: yet. <laughs> it's funny because I was just—I was talking to someone about it the other day. <coughs> when I was a kid, there was Thunderbirds. Yeah. Remember Thunderbirds, and they used to be the pictures on the wall. Well, it was when you were a kid. No, then no, was... no. But, but, but they used to—the eyes used to light up on the picture, and then they would talk. They would yeah. talk, you know, through the picture. I used to think, when I was a kid, I used to think, "Oh, imagine if that could happen." And look at it now—it does. FaceTime. Oh, yeah. You can just get on your phone. And just talk to someone wherever you are in the world. You can just
0: talk to them. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, technology is obviously amazing, and I'm. You know how much I use Facebook, Instagram. You're never off it, mate. Yeah, I love it, and I love it, and honestly, like, I can't stand Facebook a lot of times. In fact, you introduced
1: me to Facebook years ago. Yeah. And yeah, it messed my life
0: up a bit. (laughs) Did only in the. You were a complete knob on there and you lost most of your friends. <laughs> I didn't have any <laughs> friends to lose. so. Like. But I, look, like, I love it and I have debates on there that I never want to have and they start and I am and I feel obliged to respond and I never want to. I, honestly, I've, I hate it since I posted it but, and I feel obliged so I end up in three-day arguments on there on Facebook and Instagram. I, I post lots on Instagram. I'm recording this podcast. I get to record this podcast with you. I'll put it out there. People will listen to it. And that's how I listen to podcasts. Well, they'll probably so get I about five minutes into it and then decide I don't want to listen yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. can't understand a word of what you're saying, which I'm not Which <laughs> the Irish bloke from The <laughs> Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> Wesley Murr. <laughs> they, well, they, yeah, so I love technology and I'm very pro-technology. But at the same time, I go out for walks with my dog every day I'm out in the countryside. I take my daughter out fishing. We, go, From a young age, my daughter's been out fishing or catching butterflies and catching insects, as you, all of your daughters have been, I know, because I've been there doing it with them. So for me, I, I can differentiate and I see both sides of it. There's lots of people don't. like My, my nephews and stuff, mate, I was going fishing the other month and I said to them, Martina's kids I was like Oh who wants to help me Get some worms I wasn't using worms The next day But I just wanted to give them Yeah yeah Well how do we get worms So we started lifting All the logs up And I skipped back And I was like Archie grab that one He's like oh And I was like grab it He grabbed all of This worm It's massive He's like oh I got it Touching the pot And he started grabbing it. Where's I found one I got a worm I got a worm And then Sienna was young Like we're talking Like a year or so So Sienna's like four She wouldn't touch it She's like Archie was touching, she said, I want to touch it. And she touched it with her finger. By the end of the day, she's holding it in her hand and off looking for worms. Literally makes three hours just going out and finding worms. Loved it. In their back garden, they absolutely loved it. Because there is a name, like, something within us that that's what we've done for millennia. That's what we've hunted, we've gathered, we've found stuff, we've explored, we've that's within us so technology can make you see what a worm is and you understand about it but when you're going out and catching worms it don't bring that excitement and the feeling of it on your hand the fear that you know and i think although i'm very pro technology I like, yeah it just it can detach you you have to know how to manage it you've
1: brought something new to the art of worm catching <laughs> yeah did you know that if you i used to catch them by putting down a black bag put water on the ground, put a black band down and it brings them to the surface. Did you know that? So, no, I, I did My granddad showed me that.
0: Well, we did. Ours Were was washing up liquid in in a ball of water mm-hmm. pour it all over the grass and then they'd come up to the surface and then tapping on the ground and to make it sound like raindrops. Did you do that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the concept oh. though. <coughs> I was actually, I was
1: at the Kent show yesterday and I actually sat down and uh, listened to this guy and he's, uh, it, it said... He was dressed up as like one of the Wurzels, like one of the guys who lives down this area really, up down Bristol. Uh I've got to put that little gag in there. But he uh, <laughs> I
0: went down rest he, he was
1: he was called the grass shark hunter. Do you know what a grass shark is? No. It's a mole. It's what they call moles. Oh did grass they? Sharks. And, uh, grass sharks. And uh yeah, grass sharks. Grass sharks. And uh it was really interesting listening to how moles uh how they move around and you know, people say, Oh no, I've got loads of moles in my garden. you not know you've got one mole. And that it's it comes through the breeding season when they're moving around, but it's really really interesting. One and mole, about, what? So
0: all of the li- it's all mole. about
1: sap. You know, he was telling us this, uh, I can't remember the name from now, but the you know the pads on the bottom of a dog's feet.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's like a mole's nose, and it they listen for vibrations and things like that. Really interesting. You, know, if you
0: look, if you look up moles and I mean, I only took snippets. Do you know the guy's it. name? Can you remember his name? No. But you could we could probably find him i'm gonna i'm gonna find his name now i'm gonna find this guy a the grass shark time. the grass shark hunter but if you
1: but it was really interesting to listen i only caught snippets because we had a little robin with us and she was getting quite you know she was getting a hot and wanted to drink and stuff so i was I was sort of half trying to listen to it uh but it was really uh it was really good actually to listen to it because whenever someone's an expert on their on a particular species I'm always
0: really really the interested in this. Jeff Nichols, him. it might have been him. Jeff Nichols is the original mole cat basically <laughs> in the Royal County of Barthshire. it might be him the mole show the mole show used. if not we've just given Jeff Nichols a plug yep yeah, <laughs> so, Jeff, Nichols, there Jeff you go, what if it wasn't you mate it wasn't you <laughs>
1: you're known now yep yeah. by about the five people that are going to listen to this this guy offers podcast.
0: training courses on catting moles well there you go he hasn't got any pictures of him.
1: Mole catching, you see. There was. He mole was saying that the there's lots of uh, there was lots of uh, things that's that he was right. telling us about. He said a lot of people would they see a mole hill? That's it. You go to the the
0: mole, the ten oh, professional hill. mole catchers down Kent, the pub, Kent County Show. That's, that's him. Tim Jeff that's Nichols. Him. So there's is like humorous go. educational live show. www.molecatcher.co.uk. That's it. I'll have a look at this guy. About putting
1: windmills in. in the ground, to the vibrations, and he said it doesn't work, and there was a, he said uh, things vibrate and things that you put in the ground, it scares moles away, so it's absolutely no rubbish. But it was really, it was, it was quite enlightening, I, I like listening to things like that.
0: Yeah, so grass shark. Grass shark,
1: it's good, yeah, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, the I've grass never heard shark. that before.
0: He had the Jaws music, and everything. That's oh, good, yeah. That's good, yeah, I enjoy it. Jeff Nichols. Jeff Nichols. i interested to see one of his shows, and have a look at where he is coming up. Oh It'll they probably it? be at the Bath and West. It's gone, oh, isn't it? Has is it? Yeah, it's gone. I think. Along with the C L A. Yeah, it wasn't long ago. Yeah. All <laughs> yeah.
1: disappearing. Yeah. No one's into country sport. No, it's anymore. not gone. i has mean, been. Oh, it's been. It was a way. couple
0: of weeks. I've ago. done the bath. Oh, yeah. We did the right, Bath we, we, we did the You stitched show. me up at the Bath and No, you stitched me up. You said to me, Wes, can you slip the? Can you slip the falcon and fly it to the law and I'll do the talking? Yeah, mate, not a problem, not a problem. So you come out and I'm thinking, like, yeah, that's good. Like He's down near me. Like That's good he's got me to fly this falcon. It's a big show as well, that. Big a show. Lot Lots yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot. And it was the first day, so I think it was Ramo. And so f- slip the falcon. How many thousand people do you think were watching that show? A lot. <laughs> Probably three. Probably watching that d- demo... Yeah. A lot. Two two thousand say at least, yeah. a lot like rammer, like four or five rows deep of people, yeah. you know. And uh, we're building the same here. You do realise that? Yeah, it's, it's a good story. It's, yeah, well, not really. So then, I slip this falcon. So you're like, yeah, it starts to range out now, and you'll see it's going out, looking for lift, and it'll come back over. So I'm sitting there, I got the lure out, and I start swinging it, and the bird circles once and goes off again. We're letting it go out. And it goes, yeah, so this is Wes's bird. This is the bird that Wes has trained. And he's flying today. And as soon as you said that, I thought, you stitched me up here. And saying, right, this is not my bird. I've not ever seen. I've never flown this bird before. And uh, next minute, the bird's gone. Out of sight. And you're like, yeah, she does this. She specs out. She'll go off in a minute. She'll come back over we'll keep talking. And you look at me and by the look on your face, I could tell, like, she's not coming back, this bird. It wasn't actually no. my bird. No?
1: No, it wasn't.
0: It wasn't my bird, that's for sure. It it wasn't my bird,
1: it belonged to someone else. I won't mention any names, but it belonged to someone else. I think I know it was, yeah. So then uh, (laughs) we
0: get, I think we do get the vulture out and do some vulture stuff and do uh, the caracara, maybe. Yeah, we we rescued the show. Yeah, yeah. We finished the show and then shut the show and then we went off looking. That's right. Tracking this uh, falcon down. And where did we find the falcon, mate? (laughs) The falcon on a dead sheep in some (laughs) farm. Like miles it away. It was full of dead animals. Full of dead animals. Dead sheep. I think there's a dead pig. There was a dead pig. Because you yeah. said there's a
1: dead pig there. Yeah. It was just laying it is. rotting. Mate, that was... What It was in some old farmhouse, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it dang was, was Like away. a couple of miles away from where we'd yeah. sit, the falcon. And it was on a sheep. That's right. Yeah. It had caught a sheep. <laughs> 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 That's what a lot of aunties would like you to think. Yeah, yeah. That they kill sheep. Yeah. Just to know, peregrines do not kill sheep.
0: No. There you go. Not any <coughs> peregrine you've trained anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, that that day, mate. That that was a good show. It was a, I liked the from West yeah. like the my um, show. Do my my favourites like the Well you probably went growing up you went there, like I went to Ooh, the Kent Show yeah.
1: when I was. First place
0: kid. I ever saw the British <laughs> Grey. Bath of my show. It was Pete the Butcher. I don't know his last name, but uh, there was at the Pete top the shop the Butcher. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a some mafia serial guy. killer. There's a mafia guy, mate. You don't like to talk about it. Oh, no, Peter Butcher was you know those top shops where we went up earlier? Yeah. There used to the be a butcher shop. shop the kebab shop. Yeah. <laughs> there used to be a butcher shop up there. And Pete... Was Upstairs
1: there used to be a butcher shop. No,
0: up, up, just up at the Oh, shop. right. I don't know. So Pete had a butcher shop up there and he had birds like owls and stuff mainly. And he had a harrisalk. And one year he was there with Alan Flowers, the guy who taught me how to fly birds of prey. And my mum knew Pete because he's a butcher. So she went "If I've got a picture. I can go and grab you a picture now. It's in the kitchen of me holding or me with a harrisalk for the first ever time. I can show you a picture of me and Ash. I'm going to show sure. it. Keep talking, Random about something. I'm going to find this picture. So he's going to go and find his
1: picture now of him when he first held a Harris hawk, uh, which is, in all fairness, was probably about two years ago. Uh,
0: oh. yeah, that's my first ever bird. Oh, the ever photo talk. album's coming out. Yeah, that's my first ever bird. I'm going to try and find you the one of the. Photo oh. albums—they're
1: a thing of the past, aren't they? Photo albums—you never used to. Uh, everyone used to go in summer camps. So Always get the photo albums out. But now you've got it all on your phone, so there's no need to have a photo album anymore. It's a thing in the past. It's all on Facebook. I'm thinking about that. I'm ranting to myself here, by the way, thinking about that. Imagine if Facebook ever went down and you didn't back all your photos up. Imagine all the memories you'd lose. But photo albums, they're there, aren't they, forever? My mum's probably got about 100 photo albums that are in her loft. And uh, now and again, she'll get them out. I remember there's one that she gave me. Uh, it was actually my dad's photo album. And uh, he saw all the pictures of him when he was a young man. Uh, and he was, he's been playing the drum since he's about nine. So uh, there's all pictures of him growing up. She was nine, playing in bands and doing things. Anyway, he comes in. I not really find
0: the picture. This was the day. So this is the day. This is at the bathroom of my show. Yeah, and that's <laughs> me, and, me and Ash on a merry-go-round. It's me and... Me and Ash in front of a massive. Is that a p- Bristol City shirt? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, Bristol a really city front- old city shirt, that mate. That's me and Ash in front of some m- machinery. That's a combine harvester, Wes. and uh, there's lots of them down here. <laughs> that looks like a and brand new. That looks like a
1: brand new combine harvester. Did they give you the key? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because I have f- forty acres. Yeah, twenty-three. So, I'm, <laughs> so that's my first ever bird. That was like two years after that. No, I find myself
1: drawn. To the Ford Sierra. <laughs> my in the background. Ford, yes, the white Ford, Ford yeah, Sierra.
0: Automatic.
1: And who's that in the background standing there looking at the fence? Let me see.
0: Someone. Dave Cole. I don't know what ever happened to Dave Cole. If anybody hears this and uh, knows Dave Cole, um, please get him to get in contact actually. I, it'd be <laughs> nice to hear from Dave Ants. I don't know what's happened to him, Ants, Richard Free, since my mum was. Actually, there, can I name just name. have a little flick through Let and me just explain. See Find this picture of you—the first ever experience for the birds, mate. So, here's the killer, gruesome, twosome hunters, mate. Look at that. Me
1: and Ash. You've got ripped jeans, a hair There's a caravan in the garden. That,
0: I lived in that. That's after our house burnt down. <laughs> Martina set fire to the house by accident, and well, I can believe that the- after that turkey, she could. <laughs> That she just created <laughs> yeah, it, looked like exactly. something from a World War Two yeah, documentary. Chips, she burnt
1: the house down with chips. Ashley's pointing an air rifle at your head. Yeah, it looks it's like one of really those old really. brake barrel air rifles. Brake barrel, yeah, it's with, it's he's got really a pair good. of tracksuit bottoms on. And it's a shame that the people listening to that can't actually see
0: this picture. Maybe I'll put the pictures on Facebook. When you the, could uh, actually use on. that picture as a in the podcast, like when you, yeah, but then you won't be in it. Yeah, that's true. So I'll put maybe I'll link the pictures into the description on Facebook. I'd really like the full. Tiara. Can't believe the one's not there. The first ever experience. The full Tierra. Like. pictures like, were with it, but
1: I like the full Tierra. Yeah.
0: And uh, going through there, there's
1: uh, some old pictures of. It. There you go. Look at that one.
0: I like that. So explain to us what's going on there in that uh, picture. Oh, this mate. That's my first ever bird. Yeah. And that's my niece. See what I was like obviously a picture with the bird, so she's like three there, and yeah. that's me with my first ever Harris talk. Right. Zorro Zorro. My mate's female. Did he have the mark of the Z? My mate's female. No, Leave the mark of the Z. Yeah, so. we were out hunting for him in a cast had done for three seasons, and one day boom out of blue. Yeah, it's
1: they uh, good when you. I've got some really old pictures. Uh, some of them on Facebook page. Some of them are actually just etched in slate. Right, it's not. Jordan cave walls some of them <laughs> yeah the, the old days reminiscing yeah wild sparrowhawk
0: pictures yeah we've somewhat digressed I'd say yeah, I
1: think uh... yeah lots happened in yeah the, in the in the you know the last the last ten years have been interesting for me uh, like going back to the falconry side of things in the centre because so we sort of really digressed didn't we, we we're onto. to yeah, game hunting and that type Something of thing like yeah that. The days of the Centre, and you know what I do now, and it's uh, it's so different.
0: You know, I'm out on the road every day, but it's better, right? Look, and so it's allowed you to get back to football and stuff. And yeah, that. another thing uh, there
1: was something that was uh, that I, you know was really important to me growing up uh, was going to football and playing football. I wasn't really played football for years and years, or I was quite a decent footballer at one stage, and people listening to this. Uh, might not agree with me might kick you up in the air a few times you don't agree with that but uh, yeah I love football I love West Ham and it's great that also uh, you know there's Molly and there's I've got two other people forget I've got two other daughters I've got Ruby who's uh, a
0: great artist uh, wildlife artist like mate like Ruby's wildlife art honestly probably my favourite wildlife artist because she does a lot of pencil and pen work and that's what like sketch stuff is my favourite kind of art, and the stuff that hair that she did, man. And that who's the guy? She drew the guy with the beard. Oh, I can't be Charles Edward Fisher. Charles Edward now, Fisher. Hawking club. That drawing of Charles Edward Fisher, mate. That is incredible. And that it's my style of art. There's great artists, I so know, but that that drawing, mate. Seeing her sitting and doing it at the fair that day, superb. Honestly, oh, yeah. she's like. Ruby King Art. If you can find any Ruby King Art, that's Nigel's daughter. Have a look. If you're friends of mine who are listening you're not falconers or any have, Ruby King Art. Please find it at Facebook. Have a look and just see how incredible her drawings are. So, and she can draw from memory, right? She yeah, yeah. she can She can draw. She can just, you know,
1: she can just draw. She's all, I remember when she was about nine, she drew me a raven. She drew me a raven when she was nine year old and it looked like, like a proper established artists have drawn it it's yeah. fantastic Molly always used to say you know it's quite funny with Molly because Molly's got the centre she always before she had the centre she used to say people would see her on Facebook and go oh you're a fantastic drawer fantastic artist and it always used to get on her nerves Molly you're listening to this because Molly draws stick people and things like that <laughs> she's good at, she's good with what she does but she's a rubbish rubbish artist ain't Molly <laughs> rubbish artist terrible but uh yeah, so, you know, people forget I've got two other daughters. And, I, I you know, I've spent a lot of time with Ruby this last year. Oh, Molly, I, I was seeing every day. Uh, but, obviously, Ruby, we go football now. We've got our West Ham season tickets, and we go to football every Saturday. And it's really, you know, i really got back into going to football again, which is saying I really, really enjoy it. Fix uh, the adrenaline rush. You know, that feeling it gives you. It's great, you know, the the atmosphere... Uh, I could go on talking about the new stadium and things like that, but I'm not going to. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot <laughs> Thanks, uh, thanks a lot, mate. Uh. Yeah, then I've got Scarlett, who's now taking an avid interest in the animal side of things that we do, because uh, you've probably seen that we've got the genets and the skunks
0: and, and you know, all the animal side of things that we yeah. do. How does that, so you've got lots of mammals and stuff now. At the owl place, at the Kent Owl Place, you have lots of mammals and you have the genets and stuff. How do, how how different is that training them to working with the birds of prey? Are they used in the shows <coughs> the same? Yeah, it's it's very similar. I think
1: you can train anything with food. Yeah, it's, it's how it is. Anything you can train. I would do
0: anything for food. So. Yeah,
1: me too. But <laughs> you know. But you can train anything, but mammals is something a little bit different, Uh, but I've really, you know, in the last year or so, I've become really interested in the, you know, different species of mammal you can train, and, you know, obviously my time at London Zoo, uh, I went there, you know, to to fly the birds, and I ended up working a lot of time in mammals, so I got a little bit of an interest, I've always an interest in animals in general, but, you know, the mammal side of things that I'm really interested in, and uh, Scarlett my youngest one the 15 year old she's really really interested in them and she's coming to help Molly now at the centre every weekend and yeah so I'm seeing a lot more kids now uh, you know it's all nice all this
0: because you changed something in your life like got to a point in your life where you had for for all intents and purposes you had everything that you wanted in life you had your daughters you were really close to them you had your centre you were doing loads of talks you were doing so from the outside, they thought, yeah, that... Like, people would have been jealous of what you had, definitely. They would have thought, the guy's doing talks on birds all the time, and he's travelling the country, he's a guest speaker at all these places, he's booked out here, and for all intents and purposes, you had the perfect life, you had it sussed, you were doing what you loved. That's what people but, would think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I've, I I have would say probably... uh and I'm not exaggerating, you know, I'd
1: say... Having all that and having a centre and it being really good, and I was probably more unhappy than I've ever been in my life that sounds strange doesn't
0: it no Uh, to me no because of what the gym did to me having the gym what that did to me Uh, so no it doesn't sound weird to me but to people I can imagine it would because people are so people are I think scared of making those changes to do something like you did and you had everything you wanted so People might think that like, people might not understand because they they think, your well, you're crazy!" I'd love to be in that position, but they don't realise what that what being in that position does. Then what? having everything that you think <coughs> you want. You know? I recently put a
1: well not recently about it must be coming up for a year ago, look, six months ago. I put a post on Facebook, and everyone's like, "Whoa, messaging me? Are you all right?" And uh, it was just the fact that I was so unhappy with what I was, you know, with how my life was going. Uh, where the centre was draining the life out of me. And I was travelling there every day. I wasn't enjoying it. And I had a young Faith who had been a volunteer since she was 16. Really doing well. Gary uh, was my apprentice. Has been for five years. And at Christmas I just decided just to give up the centre to him. And people said, Go, oh, you're mad. You You know, all those years you've built it up, but... They're doing well When I look at it now it's going well and I, I just I didn't want it anymore I felt that you know I wanted to do something different and I just so I just changed it and it it wasn't a hard decision it wasn't a hard decision at all I thought, right I've, I've done that
0: look like did you feel like um like a guilt like a guilt not only to the people who worked at the center and stuff, but did you almost feel a guilt to a guilt to everyone because you had from the outside what looked like the perfect life? You had what other people say they dream of having. Everyone says it. that. Yeah, everyone. yeah. So did you feel like guilty to them almost giving that up? And did you feel like sort of like not like a quitter, but sort of like if I give this up and I regret it, how do I get it back? Did you feel like that or? Nah. Not at all. I felt, I thought
1: it was like a, it was like a weight being lifted off my shoulders. It yeah. really was. I just, I was, I was happy. I thought, you know, my life's got to change. You know what? Sometimes I looked at my health and the way I was and the stress that came with that, and I thought, you know, I don't, I want to spend time,
0: you know, having a good time, enjoying yeah. my life, and Can not you, like, being a slave. Yeah. To, to that place I mean like you were big like you were big at one point as well weight wise and then you lost loads of weight mate you like you went ridiculously slim didn't you Like, and I know you you hid it in that you were saying you were dieting and you were training hard and so, but you lost too much weight for what it was you were trying to achieve stress I was training, as well no yeah you were yeah I agree but stress and that must have played a part on your no amount weight that you lost massively Yeah, Yeah, massively. It's like, you
1: know, it's, something just had to change because, you know, it's not, you know, I look at Imperial now and if you go there, they're doing a great job and they're taking it forward in another way. Yeah? And it looks good. The place is good. They're making money, which is what I wanted. You know, this white, this white, I gave it away with.
0: Yeah.
1: I I got offered money for it. People offered to buy it. People, I gave it away. Yeah. And, you know, and people are like, wow, why? And it was always, it was funny, because I think people thought it was some sort of altering, like, why is he giving that away? There must be a reason. Is there something hidden in the background? No, there wasn't. It's just I didn't want to do that anymore. And I looked at, you know, when I started with Molly building the Kent Al Academy, it was, you know, I looked at her and how passionate she was and it really meant something to her to have, you know, the business and carry on doing it. But she's in her own right. I said, do it for yourself, you know. Make it yours. And... Yeah. No, I want to look it. But Molly's actually getting recognised now
0: as someone who's an expert in her field. Yeah. Which she is. Like, legitimately. She's not, like, riding your coattails in any way. She legitimately is that. I think she people can... are starting to see that now. Yeah. And
1: and that's a good that's a good thing. And me, I'm just... Do you know what? I can quite happily, you know, sometimes when I go down the centre and I'm, you know, I'm mooching around the centre, I'm just like... Do you know what I mean? But I, I like the fact that people don't know who I am. The public come in and they, and I just, I'm a normal person sort of walking around, you know? Yeah. I like that. And I, you know, some people think, oh, you know, don't you, no, I've, I've you know, I, although I go out and, you know, I do shows and, and you know, people come up and say, oh, you know, your shows. I don't hog the limelight. I'm not that sort of person. It's not like, you know, i I'm actually, you know, I'm quite humble when it comes to it. You know, when people come and talk to me at the fairs and they go, oh, you know, I didn't think you'd talk to me. I'm yeah. like, why? Why wouldn't I talk to you? No, I'm just a yeah. normal bloke, you know? And it, it was always, a, you know, these people are worried that you're going to judge them if they come up to you because, you know, they've only had a bird for like six months. I've never been like that.
0: Yeah, the thing- No, you've never been like that. And I met you, how we met was at Terry's and... You came up and I'd never met you before, Jack the Lad, we had a laugh for like five, ten minutes and, stuff, and that was it. And uh, you've always been, you are humble, you are of that nature and I think what it what it is is, like myself, with maybe doing these podcasts and doing the commentating lately and even at fight shows, and people have come up and asked for pictures like the other night. Like four or five people asked for a picture of me after doing with me after doing the commentating. Did they want to a put of the people. pictures in the freak show? Yeah. So you no know, <laughs> people were like some people, like, oh I'm friends with you on Facebook and I was like, Oh great, like brilliant and I started talking about Brewer just went some people will see that and they will be like, Oh, he thinks he's you know, look at him doing that, oh he thinks he's this, or he thinks people will want to listen to him on his podcast, he thinks and like I, I, don't, I don't for a moment think anyone's going to tune into my podcast. podcast. About the podcast for a long time, haven't yeah. For I mean, I've been planning this for like two years and I hadn't done it. I'm a terrible procrastinator, I'll admit, but I hadn't done it. And maybe part of that was because of what people might say, but I, I don't. People will say those things, and I know people say, "Oh, he's doing a podcast. Yeah, what do you think people's going to listen or Oh, he's trying to do this. He's on and." <laughs> You can uh, you can uh, you can think about those things, and you can allow that to stop you from doing them, or like how I met you, or how I've seen you act. Is it you can worry about people's jealousy, and the only people who would be like, "Oh, Nigel King," oh yeah, but he's not going to talk to anyone, or oh yeah, no, he's doing this and he's doing that. Oh yeah, he does his talk shows. And he does the people. I'm not going to say jealous because that's a like a, a shit word to describe. It's not jealousy. It's not admiration. It's just. I don't know what the motivation is or what a word would be for that motivation for them to be like that. You have genuine people who want to see you doing good and they, they know, and no matter how positive inf- how positive and influential your talks are, there are the people who are going to slate you for those things. And when you do the Folkery Fair, that was, I think, that when you do the Folkery Fair, you're, you're
1: actually in the firing line, aren't you? Because everyone's a critic.
0: Yeah, so I did it with the... When, when that you thing was running, Nobody wanted to do the eagle talk. Yeah. So I was like, I'll do an eagle talk. And everyone's like, yeah? You'll do it? I was like, yeah. Was like, You'll put yourself up to all the critics. So I was like, fuck them. Like, fuck them. I can't. <laughs> you got to do this. If you're going to care about people's positive input... If, if when people say to you, you've done really well there, mate, you care about that, you have to care about the negativity. You have to. Because... They're the same thing. Someone's positive reaction to something you do is exactly the same as someone's negative reaction to something you do. It's an opinion. It's an opinion and a perception. So eventually, you get to a point where you have to say, "I don't give a fuck about your negativity." As long as you know, as long as you're you're doing something out of positivity, oh, as long as you're not, as long as you're not you know, hurting someone, disparaging people. If long as you're not doing anything to to hurt the sport or you're not, you know, you're not being rude or cruel. So if you're not doing any of those things. you got to say, fuck your negativity. But you have to be able to say, fuck your positivity at the same time. Embrace it all, but don't take your positivity. Yeah, I'm doing something really good. It's got to be the same thing. It's you got know, to mean I, I like it to when,
1: when people are negative. I always like it to when... Do you know when, you know, you're driving on the road and you see someone in a Lamborghini and they're in front of you and you go, look at that prick. Why do you say that? Yeah. No, <laughs> you don't know who the guy is. <laughs> he might be the, nicest, might be the nicest
0: bloke. He could be the valet driving the fucking thing yeah, from exactly. the car. Back to its owner who's a prick, but you've seen mm. him in the Lamborghini. That's exactly. a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great analogy. That's what it is. Because people, why do they do that? Yeah. And it's not jealousy, let's say, because jealousy is a <coughs> shit word to throw about. But so it's not necessarily jealousy. But you have no, there's, n- you have no reason to label that person as that. You've made an assumption because he drives the car, a nice flash card, It costs him lots of money. You've made the assumption. Look at that, look. At that, you have no reason for that. And it's the same with anything that you, anything that you do. Make with you would you with your bird talks on me with my fighting that I've done and uh, now the commentating which I'm hoping to do more of etc is that it's the, the road thing. you want to go down in the commentating I don't know I don't know because I've not admitted that fighting's over for me definitely you are, not you we were talking
1: com- earlier and I forgot that you was 34
0: yeah <laughs> but I don't you got to remember I've never been knocked out never been dropped not broke bones but bad ligament damage in my feet but that's okay and the only thing, the only thing that worries me about fighting is that you will get knocked out. It brain stuff, yeah, like getting knocked out, etc. Um, because I mean, I, I mean, I've been in this game a long time. I saw
1: Mark Smith. You beat Mark Smith at cage Rage. Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Sam you Baird, remember Mark when Sarah knocked him yeah, out? Yeah. I remember watching him. Uh, it sticks in my mind actually that I was with a guy called Lee Goodwin. Yeah. Uh, and we were sitting watching that fight right cage side and I remember he got hit and I remember watching him convulsing and foaming at the mouth and his eyes rolled back and I thought god I mean and I remember Lee Goodwin turning around and saying to me that's why I don't get in there for 300 quid yeah and you do have to
0: I mean, the thing for was me... Wasn't someone though, mate, killed the other day? Someone who was yeah, a... a guy in Ireland. It was a guy in Ireland died. Had, oh, no, you're on no, right. um, the The fight, he's an Oh, ex-fight. you are an XFC guy. That was in a boxing match. I've in seen, a, seen match? a video of he him got dying. Killed. Can't think of his name. I've got Tim Bowshoe in my head, and it's not... Obviously, it's not Tim. Um, uh, the name will come to me in a minute. Have you seen a video of it? It's yeah. Just a boxing show. Falls, hits his head and stuff. Yeah, really bad. Um, really, really bad. Like, tragic... Accident, but for me, I think uh, I've been in this game a long time, Noj. And Tim Hague, that's Tim it. Hague. I've been in this game a long, long time. And I was in the game when we used to spar, and we'd spar like we were going to knock each other out. There's no like yeah, I've, I've read these. If, if,
1: if you remember rightly, I've actually been it
0: by you yeah <laughs> so yeah I do remember them yeah. times <laughs> look like, but you think that was me four or five days a week me yeah me I'd sparred it, with James Thompson it, uh, John it, it really opened
1: my eyes I'd, I'd sparred with some good people and stuff like that and you being a professional fighter and a real, a real in a high level to be honest and you know when we sparred it opened my eyes up to how bad I really was yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, you know, in the you know, having to tear up with someone in the yeah. and then, you know, had to fight with someone in the street, but open your eyes up to like, hang on a minute. I'm I'm left behind you. Yeah. Do
0: you
1: know what I mean? Obviously <laughs> being older as well and like but just just open my eyes up to It's the, one of those like, And it must have opened your eyes up. Do you remember when you got I don't want to bring you defeat. Something. No, stuff bring like him that. up. Definitely, but there's a massive. Do you remember publisher? when you went to the Dominican Republic? Uh, yeah, what was it yeah. Thought, uh, Tim Radcliffe. Tim Radcliffe. Now we all thought to ourselves, "Yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, this is a fair chance for you." But did you think we'd find him? Fucking hell, this guy's good.
0: No, You didn't. No, no. There's only I fought one person in my whole career. Where I felt like if I fought fought him ten times, they'd probably beat me seven. Only one person in my life I fought with that. June Ersenshaw. That was it. Because I couldn't live with him on the floor. Back then, I couldn't live with him on the floor. When I roll with Pedro Bassa, I feel like I can't get him off me. Like, I, I feel like he's always a step ahead. He's always just waiting whether to sub me or not. He's, and it's exactly how I felt when Junior Sunshine was on me. Like, fuck. All I'm doing here is, is holding... holding Survive. It's yeah. waiting for it. Yeah, exactly. That's the only person. Now... My career—you can look at my record, and you can judge my career on that. But I've—I've I've trained I Yeah, <laughs> I've trained with and sparred some of the best fighters in the world. But anyone best UK domestic, like Tim, Tim Newman, Paul Reed, Nazna Ramani, Ronnie Mann, John Phillips, um, Lou Long. These are top guys. I've sparred with them all the time. They know my ability. They know where I'm at. It's not for me to justify my ability anyway. I've trained at Black House with 15 UFC and World Series of Fighting guys on the mat. Sparred with them, all of them. I've trained American top team. I can reel off lists of gyms throughout America and California that I've trained. I know where my level is. And then I get in the cage and Tim Radcliffe. I fought Tim Radcliffe. I'll beat Tim Radcliffe seven times out of ten if I fought him. I know I would. I know I will. If I fight how I train a lot of the time, I will beat him. Andrew Fisher. I lost to Andrew Fisher. Andrew Fisher's a very good fighter. It's not, I'm not taking anything away from Tim Radcliffe or Andrew Fisher. Andrew Fisher's a great fighter, and I had a good fight with him. But I lost that fight more than he beat me. Because... When I'm, I, I'm moving around and I never felt like I was awake. I'm throwing shots and I'm moving around with Andrew Fisher. And I, in my head I'm saying to myself, what's going on? Wake up a little bit here. Come on, let's get like, and he's not hitting me with anything. And I'm throwing shots and we're having a couple of exchanges and I'm getting hit. He's getting hit. and But it never got going. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? End of the first and Paul Reed's like, good round. You've got to just up the pace now, at the work rate. I came back out in the second and we got to the floor and I'll never forget it went for a single leg and he went for a guillotine and landed in a guillotine position. It was never close. Never close. I would let him start a match in that position. And I can hear Ian Freeman. Oh merch is in a guillotine. Oh it's tight Alex tight. Oh merch is in And I'm let down and I'm thinking, what the fuck is he on about? It's not he's never guillotining me from here. And I can him say, Oh yeah this is a tough position for Merch. I'm like Is he fucking for real or what? In which time Andrew Fisher switched to a North South joke. When he switched to a North South joke I didn't notice until it's and I was like, fuck, it's not sex. Went to defend, never been tapped in a North Seychelles in my life. I sub people with it all the time, I've never been to it. And he got me in a North Seychelles and and finished me. And Paul Reed, like, never mind, mate. I went, something's wrong, Paul. Something's fucking wrong, mate. Like, just want, I wasn't there. I was listening to Ian Freeman commentate. Like, what? How can I be in a fight? And I'm listening to Ian Freeman. And yeah, But I think, and this gets
1: back to it again, because. You looked so good in training and stuff like that. When you was training for the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. we went down to to, to Stroud, yeah. trained with Lee Johnson, and just after that, you got that fight with uh, the Ginger Brad thing. Wheeler. Brad Wheeler. I mean, fucking hell! I've i never seen someone control a fight
0: so dominantly,
1: so dominantly. And we was all watching it. Me, Lee Johnson was looking, and it was like, and then he catches you, and we're like, Kim, what happened there? And I can't explain. And, to this and I was like. I kind of, I, It was a feeling of disappointment. Yeah. And, and I was again, like, for me, fuck, what, what's going on there? Because you'd never... It was it was a
0: different different level at the time, I thought. And it yeah, just I'm got... Feel, in three seconds. Nigel, no, I've trained with people. And I'm not going to mention names here. I've trained with people. And they said to me afterwards, fuck me, I can't live with you. And these are our top-ranked guys in the UK. And they said, fucking hell. They're like can't believe how good your boxing is. They're like, you fucking blew me away. I can't, I can't touch you. I can't get near you. And then if I said names, now people would be like, fuck, fuck off. No way. And they said, pro boxers. I spar pro boxers all the time now. You know the people I spar with. In Bristol, I spar pro boxers on a regular. And they're like, fucking hell, mate. Your boxing's good. But I've boxed for years, you know. And then I'll go on a roll. In America, I've walked into gyms in America when I was travelling in America to tip up in gyms. A guy called Marcelo Marcelo motta Marcelo Motta Marcelo Marcello, Mo- M- Marcello Motta in um in Denver. Uh no not in Colorado, in Colorado Springs. Uh, great gym, his gym's fuck uh, brilliant gym. And I went to training there and he came in so introduced. Me to my my name's is Wesley merch I'm a MMA fighter from Newcamp, looking for somewhere to do some nogi Yeah, yeah, come in, it's twenty five pound drop twenty five dollar drop in fee. Drop my dropping fee. He goes, oh, so you're going to come with me tonight? So he's the coach of the class. We start training. He said, we'll get warmed up and then we'll just free roll for a bit and then no subs. Oh, yeah, okay, did. He said, like, okay, now we'll turn it up a bit. So we roll. He can't catch me. Black belt, high level black belt. Can't catch me. Lighter than me a bit smaller. And I can't catch him either, you know? But he's fucking on me. He's a high level. He's on me. So we roll for like 15 minutes straight. Nobody subs each other. He's like, fuck. He said, you're, you're legit. He said, you're a fucking good... I was like, oh, thank you. Thanks very much. Like, carry on rolling. 40 minutes solid rolling. He goes, oh, put you one of my purple belts. Roll with him. Guy gets me with a little heel hook. Um, just, I tap quick to heel hooks anyway when I don't want him in. Cashmere tap, like, carry on rolling. Sub him a few times. Roll with another few black belts. Afterwards, he gave me my money back. He's like, you're welcome here anytime. He said, your jiu jitsu a high level. He said, Look, you're welcome. Give me my money back. He said, come here anytime. So I went and trained there a few times. Great guy, great gym. Every everyone there was really respectful. Great gym. So I've tested myself over many gyms, like probably 50-60 gyms throughout America I could talk to you. The same sort of story from, you know? So I know my level, I know my ability, I know where I am. My issue is mental. When I go into a fight, it's like I'm sparring. And I'm not scared of getting knocked out or hurt. I've had wars. People have stood and clapped me and Paul Reed at classes. They've clapped us sparring. The whole class has stopped. Well, we people were talking about earlier when you went down to Lee's gym and to, Ricky yeah. Campbell jumped
1: in, bang, bang, and, and everyone's like, whoa, whoa,
0: hang on. And, yeah. But it's part I'm not, like, of like People know I'm not scared of fighting. I'm not scared of getting hit. I don't know what about getting hurt. It's not those things. My issue is a mental issue and I don't know what that mental issue is. And it's weird because I've spent so much of my career looking at the mental side and psycho cybernetics and psychology of sport and and i have no idea what's wrong no idea mentally what's wrong with me i don't know why when i go in there it's like i'm not hungry it's like this how it feels for me i've lost before so i know what losing feels like i know what it feels like it's not ever going to be any worse than that last time i lost i know what winning feels like i know how good it feels it's never going to feel as good as it did last time it feels exactly the same so I have to fight because I want to fight. But then you have to think what a weight cut does to you. And I cut a lot of weight. So you have to think what a weight cut does to you. How does that affect you mentally? How many times are you ready to quit during the weight cut? How many times are you ready to quit in the build up to the fight? Is that Are you taking that into the cage with you? When you're warming up, how many times do you question your cardio? How many times do you do this? And, does all that play? I don't know. I'm only some, semi- I don't know if that's what it is. And then I'm having these fights, and it's like I'm not even there. And literally, like Ross Dunford would say to me, I would love you to just for one round, even if you lost the fight, I'd love you to show everybody what you do in the gym. So I'd love that, except for people to see who you are in the gym. And maybe like maybe that's it. Like Mike Swick gets labelled the same, like, like meant to be brilliant in the gym and then doesn't perform in the cage and stuff, you know. Lots of top UFC guys get the same thing and, and that's what it is for me and i'll fight any man on this planet in an mma fight at any time but i have to say to myself now i'm one fight away from getting knocked out always because you could get knocked out in any fight i'm 34 and i'm getting paid shit horse shit do you know what i mean like it's not money so that if i did get knocked out and i had a bit of brain damage I'm screwed. If I break my hand now, I've got a business to run, I've got birds to fly, I want to go paragliding all the time. If I break my hand, it's massively consequential. Not, a, a grand isn't going to cover it. It's hugely consequential for me. So, I have to think about all these things. Having said that, I talk like somebody who doesn't want to fight. I can't wait to fight again. I'm really <laughs> excited about fighting again. My neck's still not good enough yet to get through a training camp. I would fight tomorrow, but I can't get for a training camp yet yeah, on my neck so when that's better I'm 100% going to fight again but my motivations for fighting are maybe different which will probably make me more dangerous what about another boxing match yeah yeah I'm going to box I'm going to have K1 fights probably but they're not MMA did you enjoy the boxing I do I love boxing when you boxed do you get a couple of boxing bouts yeah, but I wanna box high level guys really. I spar pro level guys and you have these white collar guys and the last guy caught me clean, wobbled me. Like he, like Kane ready to fight, hit hard, like a good box but the boxing went out of the window and he started getting tired. And I would rather we box for three rounds and I get a decision than me stopping him, you know. Like let's have some good boxing if we're gonna box. But it's not MMA. I'm an MMA fighter. Yeah. MMA like, I've been doing this since before it was MMA. So here's the question. You know what's coming, didn't you? No. McGregor, (laughs) Mayweather. Mate, I hope Mayweather wins. I'm not. I'm not a Mayweather fan. But that's not a way for you to go out on your legacy, losing against a guy who's not a boxer. But at the same time as well, me. I've never really rated Mayweather. The best in the world at what he does as a boxer. I don't think he. Would Have you up looked at how many stats? You know, the last, person, last time we knocked something out. Oh, mate, years. He done it hard because his hands. Oh, apart from, uh, what's the name we hit after the when the ref? I can't his name? He, he sucker punched him. Yeah. So, but and even then he didn't bingo him. Um, but for me, I think what what really showed me how good he was mayweather was canelo because mayweather is at the end of his career canelo's a hungry guy at the height of his career and he couldn't get near mayweather so how do we expect connor mcgregor is not canelo <laughs> and canelo's knocking people cold and people say about connor's left hand and stuff now i'm a massive connor mcgregor fan I, I knew about Conor McGregor before any of these guys ever knew MMA existed. Like, I've been in this sport a long time. 16 years I've been a professional MMA fighter. I've known about Conor for a long time. Conor McGregor hits hard. Yeah, he does. He's never knocked anybody cold except Jose Aldo. Which, listen, we all know Jose Aldo has a terrible weight cut. He looked massively out of shape during that fight. And he got hit cold. No discredit to... Connor, it was an amazing punch, amazing timing but he even said himself he didn't hit him hard he just caught him with a shot McGregor hits hard no doubt but he's not putting people away with one shot, so he's not a massive threat and he's certainly not in 12-ounce gloves what it's going to come down to is will he catch Mayweather and will it be enough to put Mayweather off his game and if it is, is it enough for him to land two or three of those nice shots I can't see it I won't be putting my money on McGregor winning that fight, no, definitely. I mean,
1: and I think that it will... I don't want boxing to be rubbished by some sort of McGregor carnival. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. I've watched boxing, i watched boxing for the days, you know... Years ago, you know, Tommy Hearn, Sugar Ray Leonard. I grew up watching boxing on ITV, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, not like Sky now, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, watching Fire the no ITV fights. boxing, yeah. All that stuff, Nigel Benn, all that. And Banker, it yeah. was fantastic. It was, growing up, you know, the boxing was a fantastic thing. And then MMA sort of it evolved, and everyone's, you know, you got young blokes, now Yeah, all talking about MMA, they don't really talk about, the art of boxing anymore you know it's all about the you know the the, the cage fighting thing not the sport of MMA yeah. it, it, and it it's sort of you know I would like McGregor uh, I would like Mayweather just to prove a point I like Conor McGregor oh, I love yeah. him I love his smack talk I love the way he is I love his style of fighting yeah. but I would like Mayweather and he's, to a, prove a, point, he's a nice guy yeah to mm-hmm. prove a point that these boxers are super super talented boxers boxers
0: yeah the super talented boxers we all know if it was a fight he's going to lose against McGregor we yeah. know that it's not even worth discussing it's, it's not, not like fighting him down except by loads of people yeah it's not even worth talking about that but I think maybe Mayweather could stop him he could cut him he could beat him up a bit around the face I mean let's, let's be realistic Nate Diaz outboxed him Nate Diaz boxed his face off in both fights both fights he boxed his face off Nate Diaz is a good boxer in MMA. He's not a good boxer. Yeah, exactly. He's not a good so boxer. He's not Mike, up on literally. his toes. He's not got great defence. He blocks with his face. Nate Diaz smashed his face in boxing wise. Like, and people are like, oh, did you see the state of Diaz's face? Listen, you could blow on Nate Diaz and he's going to cut. His face is fucked because of how he fights. Well, you think how much scar tissue is there? You don't have to yeah, get touched. exactly. Because of how he fights. I think Mayweather could open McGregor up and the fight gets stopped. I really do i think he could cut him um i wish mcgregor the, all the best in his career i don't want him to win this fight but at the same time i don't care who wins as long as it's a good fight yeah as long as they have a good boxing match you know as long as it's not a, a it certain reminds certain me event.
1: because it is you know we all sort of wanted to see it but now it's on i'm like do i really want it to happen it's like it reminds me of this was the film one of the rocky films and uh mr t wasn't it no no it was it, yeah, it might would have been Rocky three the one where he fights uh
0: hulk hogan hulk hogan Rocky thunder three. lips yeah, Rocky and three. uh and it's like
1: a bit of a club a of show. that's it club he fought. yeah so it's uh yeah the the whole Thunderlips was the box the yeah. wrestling champion and he fights the boxer and it sort of reminds me a little bit of that you yeah. know a bit of a freak show type thing it's not it is. It's its two a freak different show. things,
0: you know. Yeah, it is a freak show, but at the same time, fuck yeah, I'm watching it. <laughs> I'll yes. stay up to watch it's that. It's a fight. I can't
1: wait. Yeah, We're looking at it like Yeah. yeah. I it's love to watch gonna, fight music gonna win
0: and I love to watch Conor McGregor fight. And I like I don't I'm not a massive Mayweather fan, but hey, like I, I love Conor McGregor as a fighter, as a promoter, as a sportsman. Like so yeah and I don't think Conor McGregor won't train he'll train his ass off for it which I respect like, I just think I've always so I don't drink I haven't drank for 16 years well in 16 years let's say in 16 years i probably had 30 alcoholic drinks you, when we went to UFC Dublin we drank Guinness do you yeah, half a Guinness each we had Guinness yeah. and, um, like, um, and, but and you drank at my wedding I think no I didn't. Are you sure? I didn't I didn't sure sure drink you know, a yeah. sneaky
1: glass of wine
0: no, I didn't. Maybe at the party back in camp. Okay. <laughs> we, we won't mention that. <laughs> um, no, I drank my brother's wedding. But yeah, the reason I did Yeah, because you is went is,
1: out, and I remember you said that you went on holiday.
0: Yeah, and got I pissed. Got, I drank a few. Like, I've probably no, been You said drunk. you got. You literally yeah. said you got pissed. At. I've probably been drunk four times. Like pissed four times <laughs> in sixteen years. But I probably drank thirty drinks in those in that time. Um, and the reason I stopped is because I didn't want to tell people I was a professional athlete and then be seen at the pub with a beer in my hand. That always. Like Paul threw Mason. Me. Like like anyone who does it. like, And I'm not t- saying they shouldn't. I'm saying I don't want to. I don't want to tell someone and then I go to him, oh, he's a fucking professional athlete. Look at him, pissed up. I, that would... Oh, I you would can still be myself. That would be in my head forever. Do you know what I mean? Like, no matter how good I am, the fact that people have said that about me, I wouldn't sleep at night. So I stopped because of that level of professionalism. I, what I like about Mayweather is his level of professionalism. He goes to the best guys. tries to make <laughs> different. Trains his ass off. Works, moves over to Vegas. Yeah, part of that's part of being flash, but he worked his ass off. Makes 145, although he's massive and he's a terrible weight cut. Makes it bang, not 146, bang, 145, damn, championship weight. I respect that. I respect who he is as an athlete. Well, because you've been there. You've had
1: to make that cut. And you've had to, I remember living at my house. Yeah. Uh, Grumpiness, like you can't believe because of lack of food. And, you know, it's not nice. Weight
0: cuts are like, you know, they're dangerous. As detrimental getting knocked out, I think. Yeah, and you know, I believe that it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, I you, honestly believe that we could uh, we could uh, do I a whole podcast on just weight cutting. Yeah, yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah, definitely.
1: But you know, yeah. and it's how but it's you know, uh T Bell. Do you remember him? Yeah, do you remember, I remember looking and uh, I said, "This my, okay. This is a fight in the lightweight division." And then he walks out to the center of the cage, massive and you look Gleason at the guy, T-Bell. and you are like, "This bloke's bigger than me."
0: He was and massive, and you are like, "He's mighty. a lightweight." Enormous, massive, yeah. Who it must have kill you to be honest. With you, the worst part of the sport. honestly, that's the only part that would ever that ever make. So people say to me, "Oh, you didn't, you haven't fought for it. You didn't fight often. You didn't fight often enough." You Don't can't do a different weight different cut, body. Don't want to do a weight cut, mate. I didn't want to co- because, listen, I. There was a time when MMA meant everything to me, mate, everything to me, and then everyone started doing it. And it the guy. Yeah. And the guy who went to two classes a night and told everyone he was a professional MMA fighter I I was compared to that guy. And you know how hard I trained nights. Six hours a day, six days a week, changed my whole life because of it. And I used to think I haven't flown a bird of prey this year. I haven't done this what I wanted to do. I haven't gone snowboarding, I haven't done so, I started doing all those things. I started doing all those things that I liked. And I started, I learned how to skydive and I did that. And then I paraglide now. And it came to a point where I didn't want to miss out on those things because I was training six hours. Don't, a don't day. forget the fishing. You're fishing. It's the same, mate. Yeah, no, fishing's exactly the same. That's one of those things. And it came to a point where I didn't want to miss out on them. So, instead of missing out on them, I tried to do them alongside MMA. So then I was spreading myself so thin that it all, it all, I lost on all of it. On all counts. You know? I mean, I've never gone into a fight not knowing that I'm the fittest guy in there. Paul Reed would never let me do that. In a million years, Paul Reed would never let me step in a cage not knowing that I'm the fittest guy there. No way. Like, he wouldn't have. And in the same way, I wouldn't offer for him. When I've cornered him, I would never have let him do that. You don't... There's not an Olympians fighter who's not known for their cardio. We're all... Olympians MMA guys don't gas. That's not what we do. And... So, I knew I'd be the fittest guy, but, yeah, I, I would go paragliding when it's nice days rather than go training. And I would go, you know, yeah, but I can justify it because it, it's rained for the last three weeks and I had a chance to go fly. Conor McGregor's not going par- paragliding. <laughs> Con- Conor McGregor's going training. And when it's a nice day and he can go out and do something he really enjoys, Conor McGregor goes training. And that's the difference. That's the difference. These guys are hungry for it. They want it and they want nothing else. As when I'm a bit I'm not an MMA fighter, I'm not a falconer, I'm not a Paraglider. And me and I do all those things. And you can't live in this sport, I don't think, nowadays without being an MMA fighter. That's what you have to be. And he's the sad hungry. thing is,
1: you know, that what's he gonna do when he can't fight anymore? I know
0: he's gonna have millions of pounds. But it'll be over soon for him so but I what does he do after then yeah, you could have the fine, money it. but but you've no. you've spent your whole life but you'll find something because he's beat all the top guys so he's completed it it's like having your new game on your ps4 or whatever you complete it well oh well you might as well give up playing playstation no you get a new game because you've completed that one he's completed UFC. do, do you know what i mean he's yeah. like what does he do he goes and keeps defending his belt till he loses or does he walk away Walk away! You completed it. You completed it. You've had a hundred million I pound box and fight. I think he'd
1: make a fantastic like, uh, like a like a commentator type. I presenter. don't think. I think it's beneath him. Do you I think, think
0: so. Yeah, I do. Mate. I do think that. I think his next step has to be movies or something because. Yeah, is, yeah. He's like, like Randy had, Couture. He, not like Randy Couture. <laughs> I mean. The um, Expendables, no, no, not like that. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> different. Um, no, but I think uh, I think he's he's a celebrity as much as he's an MMA fighter. He's a celebrity. Oh, definitely. And he deserves to be a celebrity. Have you
1: noticed that MMA fighters? Yeah, you know, We we know about MMA because we've obviously you know we, we're massive fans as well. You know and like so you know we just oh what about this fighter that fight Tyson Griffin Clay Guido, and we talk a lot about and a normal person. Oh well, yeah, who's that? Yeah. You mentioned Conor, Conor McGregor's McGregor name. Fans.
0: Most the people Conor know him McGregor now. McGregor fans, mate. That's the thing. And I don't like that's brilliant because it's changed the sport. But you have to remember Conor McGregor's lucky on a few counts. A he's a good fighter, which is good, that's not luck. He's worked out, so hard, he's a good fighter. B he's Irish. Now that's lucky on two two for two what, reasons. You mean because of the luck of the Irish? No, so <laughs> three reasons. Two is one when you're Irish, it's a small <coughs> country. So when you are, uh, when you're good, you have the whole country behind you. So when Dana White went to Ireland with the UFC, everyone was talking about Conor McGregor. Every single person he met was like Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. Are you going to sign Conor McGregor? Are you going to sign him? Are you going to get signed Conor McGregor? So when he got back to Las Vegas, he flew Conor McGregor out right, for a meeting. Never met him before. Flew him out. Sat down had a meal with him. When he left the meal, he looked at Lorenzo and he's like. If that guy can even throw a punch... He's going to be a superstar... So they signed him... Off the back of that... Now what you've also got is it. Everyone in fucking America thinks they're Irish... (laughs) So you've got everyone in Ireland behind you... Now you've got everyone in America behind you... Because they all believe they're Irish mate... Go to America... I've spent a lot of time in America as you know... Everyone's... Oh you English yeah... Oh I'm English... English and Irish I am... Oh when were you last... Oh I've never been... Oh I'm Irish... Oh when did you... I've never been... My family are Irish so you've got a guy who's very likeable he's very good now he's Irish so if you've got if you're American and Conor McGregor's fighting an American guy you can support them both you're a win-win situation so he had the whole backing of the whole of Ireland and the whole of America lucky lucky and could back up everything he said great position to be in I've got some Irish family do you think I'll get some luck Somewhere no because you haven't one. got any of the other bits that goes with it <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were just attributes point. to his <coughs> luck not yeah. everything not well, I everything think it's was attributes as well Yeah, you possibly
0: will. yeah definitely but yeah so he it's a bright future for him and I think his future has to be away from combat sports I think uh, he said he wants to fight um, Nurmagomedov afterwards in Russia so that will be a tough fight right, you know um, so I think get the boxing out of the way maybe fight Nurmagomedov and then walk away where's where's the fight for him that's what I would recommend he does because I mean comparatively our careers are not the same but I've been doing this for 16 years there's not anything in the sport I haven't seen James Thompson's rise and fall rise again been there through all of it with him like other guys all the way to the top, watching them they get a couple of losses and they just start falling off, the falling away from it, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, what's happened? BJ's the perfect example. What happens? What about Ronnie what Man? What's he doing now? Lost his last fight. Got knocked out. Um Just, I don't like, you can't, you're in a sport where now 22, 23-year-olds have been training for five or six years. As where we're in a sport that we've been training for 12, 13, 14 years like Ronnie has and these guys who have been done it 6 or 7 years are as good as us because for the first 8 years of our career there was no MMA we were just piecing bits together you know like Ronnie Mann created MMA he's one of those guys who was so good mate he helped to create MMA in the Learimidius. UK Lee Medius. Lee Medius, but like, like these are guys who created MMA in the UK I remember when he was you know? he was down at least yeah. Trained Dan Lee's, and he was like, he
1: he bought. Everyone's like, wow, he's he's good. Yeah, you know? and he was good, wasn't he? He was a very very
0: good grappler. Yeah. and but now you get guys who have been training a quarter of the time who are as good because they haven't got to go through all the bullshit to create the sport. They've got the sport of MMA, so they can get taught MMA by Lee Ramirez, by, um, by Ronnie Mann by Paul Reed. They can get taught MMA by these people because there is MMA to teach. I used to go to a jiu-jitsu class, a wrestling class, a boxing class, a Muay Thai class, judo class, and I'd piece it all together and I'd do what I used to do. And now... Come out with a losing formula. And come out with a losing formula. <laughs> and now I <laughs> can I teach <laughs> all of those things that I've learned in one class. So you're in a, it's a in a good place. for So these guys now who are 23, 24, never been knocked out, never been wobbled, not had the hard weight cuts, not been for all... They're fighting Ronnie, who's now... Twenty-nine thirty, what 30 I think he is, who has been wobbled, who has been dropped, who has had the hard weight cuts, whose body does ache more, and he gets clipped by one of these young studs, and he said about quitting, I mean don't get me wrong, Ronnie is still one of the best guys in the UK, but I'd put, I would never bet against Ronnie out of anyone he fought, if you were to put Ronnie up against any featherweight in the country, I would not bet against Ronnie, man. He's a whole different level, Night. but all of that has to come together on the night with speed with power with timing with cardio and that's what gets harder the older you get yeah
1: you don't have to tell me that
0: yeah oh, no it's <laughs> funny because
1: playing football in years and I used to play four or five times a week and then uh, you know I'd get a dead leg and then the next day I'd be playing
0: Yeah, you
1: get a dead leg now I'd go five side get a little while ago got a dead leg took two weeks it was still hurting
0: so you just don't heal that might just be you being a pussy mate well it could be that but you just, know. you just don't heal like you used to no you, know? you, don't. you don't you don't I mean look, my neck my, like my neck just doesn't is not getting better you know like, I feel better now but I couldn't go and get He's probably pulled. carrying that massive beard that <laughs> probably weighs about I, 300 weight I couldn't go get 300 weight <laughs> 300 weight you realise it's not step to him, son <laughs> fucking 300 weight he uses 100 weights now um, yeah I couldn't get a poor reed guillotine on my neck now and then get out of it and carry on a fight fuck man I'd hate that right now so I can't fight until I know that that's better so I'm hoping I'll fight before the end of the year doing everything I can to but as I say I've got paragliding in my life right now and mate like I wouldn't mind if I couldn't do anything again but I could paraglide honestly paragliding's the only thing i find found in my life that I could do for the rest of my life like fighting used to be for me. Paragliding is for me. That is what it is now. I could quite happily just have paragliding as my only hobby and it's all I do. I could easily now. Statistically, it's more dangerous than fighting. Oh, fucking massively! I should imagine <laughs> hugely more. But the danger element's not really a thing for me. I don't like. I'm not. That's not why I do it. It doesn't excite me in that way. Um. It. It's what about the, the base jumping? jumping? Like I I wouldn't have as many base jumps as I do if it wasn't for the fact that base jumpers are such cool people. That's what's kept me base jumping as long as I did base jump and as many base jumps as I've done because base jumpers are fucking cool. Like, In what way? There's a no bollocks approach to being on an exit point with somebody whether you've broken into a casino in Las Vegas and climbed to the top and you're going to jump or you're stood on a cliff in Moab or a bridge in California you get to the point where you all know you're going to jump and then none of it makes any difference no matter how cool you are or how many jumps you've done no matter this, no matter that once you jump and you throw your pilot chute your canopy has to open and you have to land it once it's done, that's done nothing else matters so when you get there and you're in that moment before you jump you've hiked up together or you've broken together you share something you share a moment and no matter what person it is when I see them again in a supermarket if I've shared an exit point with them we'll be back on the exit point the moment I speak to them you're back there and you because like, you shared that bit when you leave when you ju- you've shared that and 99.9% of all base jumpers I've met understand that and are that person People have called me a hippie and all this. Stuff. I'm happy. <laughs> called me the that. No. <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Call me that because that's exactly. I'd be proud to be called that, and that's because of that base jump vibe. That that the bollocks is gone. The strip, you're out, and it's just about base jumping. All the bollocks is gone. All the being cool. All the fucking approval. I never. I don't think I've posted any of my base jumps on Facebook because I don't care if you think it's cool. I don't care if you like it. I know I could die at any minute doing a base jump so I don't want you to like it or, not, or dislike it the moment I care about that it'll start to influence <laughs> base jumping so and I haven't base jumped for a while now for a little while and it's because I I'm not saying I don't like it or don't enjoy it because you're running out of chances no it just doesn't do anything for Can't me have no it nice doesn't you know. do anything for me I could break into that casino in Vegas get to the penthouse apartment get on the roof be like I could jump off this now and I could quite easily walk back down and not jump. Oh. Cause the best bit was the breaking in and getting in and the sneaking past. I could do that. Breaking in you can say I couldn't
1: quite profitable.
0: Yeah. Not the <laughs> way I did it. Um but I couldn't not paraglide again. There's I've been paragliding, mate, and the other day I flew a flight, a fifty five K triangle. Like, it's not a massive triangle and it won't mean much to you, I know, but a 55-kilometre triangle, four and a half hours in the air, and I'm gliding in, and I'm at the, I'm, I'm over at the golf field, but I'm quite high. Next minute, my vario goes here, beep, 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 which means I'm getting lift, and I turned in it, and I started going up again. After four and a half hours, and I've completed the task that I set, got in that lift, and I, start, and I got just excited in that climb the moment you can climb again and then when you go on glide and you realise fuck I need a climb here I need a climb I'm going to come down I'm going to come down boom you get a climb you climb back up there's no feeling like that and the challenge is not I'm not competing with anybody when I paraglide but myself and the elements it's me against the elements I need to find that climb I could honestly I feel like I could do nothing else but paraglide for the rest of my life and be happy I, I honestly believe that. I could give up work tomorrow and paraglide every single day, travel the world, just paragliding 12 months a year. I honestly 100% believe that. It's since fighting, since MMA, back when I first got into MMA, it's the only thing I've ever thought to myself, this is me. Like, I've been offered jobs flying birds of prey. You know I have. I've been offered jobs working in zoos with animals. I've been offered, All these things I've been offered. And I've not done them. Because falconer is a passion for me and I love it and I'll always be a falconer Paragliding's different I think yeah, you
1: but know, you have to sometimes uh, take the opportunities when they are come along do what you want to do yeah I do you, you know what America, so many things that I regret doing you know like jobs I've been offered abroad and stuff that I didn't do and I think about it now I think God I could have done so much more yeah
0: so but yeah. there you go like America, mate, went for nine days to the day the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was bizarre. And I'm only ever, I'm only ever one shit day at work away from doing it again. Look, all the time, mate, I lay in bed sometimes I think, fuck this, how cool was that? And I'll be at work and I think, fuck this, man when I was in America? And I'm only ever that that far away from just being gone again. Do so, I mean? Because of how amazing it was. I spent a lot of fucking dough to be fair. So it'd be different, but I'm only. I'm never more than like a decision away from going. Just because it's. It changes who you are as a person. Traveling, meeting people, doing something different, waking up and not having anything to think about. What not, am I going to do? Where, where am I going to go? How am I going to eat? Just get up and you do. You do what you're going to do. do
1: yeah, you know, I was in New York uh, a little while ago, a few months ago. Uh, I went with Mary. We went to New York and uh, we we went to this uh, bar. And there's a guy in there, just a regular guy, Had finished work and he he sort of, he he was just sitting down having a, a cup of coffee. I just got chatting to him. I ended up speaking to the guy all night for about three hours about many, many different things. And that's the thing about when you're somewhere, you know, and like I've been in South Africa and I've met people in South Africa and like, and they're my friend on Facebook now
0: yeah you know and you're like wow this person you know what i mean i never knew this person I mean, yeah i get it The amount of people on my facebook who put on there, dude when you're coming back out oh i'd love to see you or oh maybe great to do this with you and but all you, two of them people that are yeah both yeah. yeah never <laughs> fact mate hundreds of people i've met all over the world do that they say that to me and i like i say this to people and it sounds cliche and you sound like one of those dips but like Means the world to me, like to have those people there, mate. I feel f- so fucking lucky that generally I feel like I could fly tomorrow to Twin Falls, Idaho, knock on a door, and be welcomed in someone's house. That's what happens in the in the
1: I met so many people through falconry in different countries, and it's like I could probably go to any country in the world and go and stay with people through what I've done in my career in with birds of prey because. Yeah. You've got that common, you know, that that thing, th- that affinity with them people. And it's amazing. Anywhere in, in the world. I know people everywhere, every country. And it's, it's crazy,
0: isn't it? Yeah. When you think about it. Ma- uh, amazing. Magical. look, like a, a, Absolutely magical. I would take that over all the amount of money it cost me. All the money I spent in America, I would take the people that I that I met, definitely. And I went to Canada and spent time with Lee lee foster who went there and emigrated there with his family who obviously my one of my closest friends ever like a brother like we consider our group of friends like brothers and i went there and i stayed with him for like five months in canada in vancouver stayed with him his missus went to their family christmas and all was welcomed like i was a member of the family with people that i do not know who i went i got a job with uh katrina's brother-in-law and Mate, I honestly believe I have friends and family there now who I could go... At, and I could put on Facebook now, really struggling, just thinking about coming to Vancouver, and I honestly believe I would have inboxes or phone calls shut away saying, come, you're, you're welcome, you've got a place. I mean, that's amazing. That means more to me than any of the appreciation for things that I've done, any of that there, mate. Do I have that?
1: I, I think there was a possibility that I would have maybe gone and stayed in South Africa is yeah. Mark, well, Mark look at South Africa. died you know and yeah, like look that at that South
0: Africa I get offered that job with Mark and I don't go so Mark offers me the job he messages you what do you think about Wes Nigel like, 100% yeah take him if Wes is saying he wants to come, take him Mark says Wes I spoke to Nigel job's yours get offered the job don't go because of fighting. Staying. I don't go missed out on meeting a great man like, missed out on working with a great man next thing you go out there you meet him Mate, you met a bloke who was a friend for life, unfortunately a lot shorter than it should have been for him, but a friend for life, experiences that you could, that you would pay all the money you've ever uh, earned I for. mean, I've, I've never met anyone
1: in my life that knew so much about his subject, you know, African birds and stuff like that. And, you know, Mark Bell will probably listen to this and probably be listening and be imagining exactly, you exactly the same thing passionate about it and just not only sort of like you know uh more than a friend here you know so you know i went through some tough times and staying out there with him and living out there and going out and getting the experiences that i did flying black sparrowhawks, you know where they should be hunted not all this bullshit in this country about they'll do this do that actually seeing them fly in their own environment and and actually getting the you know flying passage birds and like you know, and learning about him is an amazing experience for me. And you know, like, and then having to, you know, see Mark come back to this country, and unfortunately, you know, he he passed away. And like, you know, and every year I feel it's like a, I feel I owe it to him to go there. And uh, you know, and this year, yeah, you know, I'll be going, and my daughter will be going, which will be good, and I'll be able to show
0: her the things that you know. But that, like you said, like you are, is not it's not that you owe it to him, it's because of the, the effect that, the influence that he had on your life. Oh, definitely. So when you go there, that's a part of you now. That there is a part oh, of 100%. you. Oh, you percent know, look, I, I have places that, in the world that, there's a place where I went to skydive, skydive Elsinore. And, I feel like I could go there tomorrow and it's a part of who I am. I'll let, there's a song called Simple Man. Um, and, I lay on that sofa and I hear that playing that's that's home for me that is home for me right there in as much as that I can be in my house sat doing this podcast and I'm at home now and it's the same right there It's the and same. lots of different places doesn't, you yeah. do
1: remember things through music it's like I remember yeah. driving out to a place called Limousine Farm which was a, and hunting with the black spars and I remember there's always Mark had his friends used to send him uh, albums from the UK which were for his iPod which he'd play you know we would get, get up early every morning feed the dogs and feed the birds and I'll always remember he had an Amy MacDonald album and I'll always remember that album it's like it reminds me of South Africa every time I hear it yeah. you know so yeah yeah and yeah. It, it feel, when I hear it I feel like I'm there you know
0: yeah yeah because because of what what I gave you yeah it's mad like people who don't tra- I met people and they're like oh, have you travelled and that doesn't interest me I'm like like crazy talking doesn't interest you What to broaden yourself and experience. and um, that's not me looking down on them I'm not judging them and looking down on them I'm like you're I just don't see I don't understand how people don't want to it's it shocks me that people don't want to I to think talk. they have to make that initial
1: step because uh, people talk a lot about stuff don't they a lot of people oh I'd love to go to South Africa well why don't you yeah well, it's too dangerous. Well, how do you know that? Have you been there? No. Yeah. So there's a couple of people, you know, a couple of people that... There's a, a girl who used to uh, be a volunteer at the centre, Kat Smith her name is, and she used to work on the farm at barleylands. And she said, oh, can I, come and, uh, can I come and volunteer at Imperial? So I said, yeah. So she's with me for about 18 months. Uh, job then came up at Colchester Zoo. I managed to put in a word for I got a the job at Coastal Zoo, helped her, well, I get her the job, she got a job herself, but I helped her to, you know, to get that job, she got the job, and then she went on and then she rung me about her, uh, Scott, obviously it's no Scott, Scott Mason, and then she went out, uh, she went out to Volpro, I spoke to Kerry, get her out to Volpro, and now the girl, she's sort of done all of that, and she's, you know, only young, and she's traveling around, and she's gone to Thailand now. So, and I did yeah. say
0: to her, "Get out of here, you know, while you're young and sort of live she, your life." Yeah, she, I, I have it with, with Ash. She speaks to me all the time, and I have to because she's like 16 now. I have to have the talk about pregnancy and oh, boyfriends don't, and don't, stuff. That's, the horrible and that's a horrible talk. That one horrible. But and I say to her all the time, like Ash, like just, just realize now, please, how much of your life you have ahead of you, the opportunities that you have. So, I, I've i been lucky and travelled the world through, through fighting, through MMA, through etc. But, two years ago, I went and I spent a year travelling America. You can do that at 18 or 19 or something. <clears throat> I never had the money at that age. And I had a professional fight career that I was working towards. You can do that. You can do those things. Don't make mistakes that are going to stop you doing that. Because they will dictate who you're going to be as a person. Travelling, that travel will... M- no matter who you are don't care who you are in the world going travelling will dictate who you become as a person it will change you as a person and you will become someone different from it definitely maybe positively maybe negatively but you will become a different person and I try and encourage all the time drive or strive to do that I see people that I went to school with
1: uh, on the estate where my mum lives and they've just lived there their whole life yeah, i have never been anywhere else. Some of them have never been abroad, and I find it hard to comprehend. You know?
0: Yeah, I I hear me. hear you because I I get it as well. People who I tell you something dating dating. i relate this to now dating. Right, but it to the dating thing. Go on Tinder or something <laughs> like this, mate. Like, and people have got their radius set to ten miles, and they will say, "Oh, are there any decent guys out there?" Yeah, there are. Yeah, I don't look for guys on there. <laughs> if I was going to go on Tinder. No, I wouldn't look for guys. No. I just but wouldn't do that. People say, like, girls will say, Are there <laughs> even any decent guys out there? Yeah, set your fucking search bar further than 10 miles away. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I just don't understand that people live in their own little community and then wonder why. Or people will say, Small world in it. No. We, we're in the same village that we grew up in. It's not a small world. It's massive. Go out and see it. It's a small world because this is your world in this little community. Go out. See it. See how big it actually is. Get see across different that Dartford Bridge. Exactly, yeah. Really Get off slowly, the a Sheppey. Really slowly. In a traffic jam. Because <laughs> the tunnel's packed up again. <laughs> yeah, it's a... I don't know, Like each to their own, and people have to do different things, and people are motivated by different things. But I honestly think that travel is something that can can be positive for everybody. Join the army, travel for nothing. I'm a bit old to join no, the army. I don't know about do nothing. nothing. I mean, what price do you put on being shot at? Dad's army, I'll probably join. <laughs> like <yeah>, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. good captain, mannering. Yeah, I agree.
1: You'd yeah. be more like. Um, yeah, but a friend people friend, don't right? get shot at now, do they really? into join the army, it doesn't guarantee you're going to get shot,
0: does it? No. No, it doesn't. I, I would agree with that, yeah. Learn a
1: trade, you know, and I'll just... Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's uh join the
0: army, travel for free. Yeah. Travel, that's the main thing. However you fucking do it, travel. Be a bum, travel for free. <laughs> you know, hitchhike. Just
1: travel. Like, you, you could just... do. People do do that. People oh, yeah. go out to different countries in no money. Yeah. And they just get part-time jobs. I've met them. My ex-brother-law, Richard... In fact, he had a really good job uh, polishing cables, you know, the ceramic things. He he had a really good job uh, as, like, a cable engineer or something, and he really got high money. I think he he just left, and then he travelled to Australia and stuff. He just bought himself a little Scooby-Doo van, mystery machine, and he was just, like, travelled Australia and done some great stuff. And, yeah. You know, he went to live in Thailand, and he worked in a bar and stuff. And, you know, he's a, he was a skilled guy and stuff like that. But he just worked in a bar for crap money, but... You know, for that couple of years, he lived his life, you know. Just don't get wrapped
0: up trying to achieve dreams. Don't get dreams. wrapped up in a blanket
1: and dumped in a river.
0: Yeah, or in the boot of your car. <laughs> um, don't get wrapped up trying to achieve dreams that later you realise were other people's. Other people's dreams that you're trying to live out to make yourself feel like you achieved something. Mm. You know, like... And I think that this is a great thing about... the professional combat sports gives you I'll say combat sports because I haven't really been involved in any other professional sports to this level is it they make you realise that you have to be doing it for you if you're being a professional MMA fighter because of what other people think of you or pff, listen there's only like the people that go so MMA face, training put a few gloves on yeah. go yeah I'm a coach fighter Mate, you can see them because as soon as they get a couple of kicks on the chin or they get jabbed in the face they go, they're not a cage fighter anymore. Yeah. You know, like, they might be on Facebook, but that's what I think what combat sports gives you, or professional combat sports gives you, is when you step in that cage and you fight another man, all the bollocks, all the bullshit's gone. What people think of you is out the fucking window. You're getting elbowed in your face and you're either gonna tap out because hey, why not? You can tell people you were hurting. It's easy to and at least people are gonna respect you for getting in, or you can be on your back, and you think, fuck you. This I'm getting away out of this. I've got to find a way out of this now, I've got to work hard and you go, and you realise. People's opinion didn't help me when I was in there. <laughs> didn't help me, you know. So don't get wrapped up living somebody living a dream that you find out someone else's. You know, like find out what you want to do and spend as much of your life doing what it is that you want to do. Which is why me, but paragliding. My me and my brother argue all the time because I'm like, it's flyable tomorrow. No, way you not going? We have got work on. All right, yeah. I'm going <laughs> go Going now. And he said that. <laughs> I'm definitely going But I don't. I've missed a lot of flights this year because I started this with my brother. And I enjoy going to work every day. But work means something different for my brother. It's, it's everything. It's, it's all, he, lo- he enjoys going to work. He works fucking hard. He's fucking good at what he does. He doesn't really have any real hobbies. You know what I mean, he goes to work and he, he loves his family. And that's what Ash does. And so I feel bad if I go off chasing my passion of paragliding all the time. And he's at work on his own. I go work and I help him and stuff, but then at the same time, I do say to him, I'm going flying today because I cannot, I will go insane and I'll end up just walking away from the business. If, it, if I was to miss three days in a row and three days of flyball, I'll shut the business down next day. 100% percent i am like, no, fuck it. Keep my half of the business, I'm gone. 100% I would because going paragliding and getting that climb to base means more to me than going around a £1,000 network. <laughs> Definitely. No, definitely <laughs> fucking does. But yeah, I just think you find something you love and you want to do. Spend your life doing that. Well, I, I, I'm into a situation
1: now where if I want to go and fly the birds, I can. I've got yeah. a job, full-time job, but I, I can just go and fly birds. You know, I, I created that. Yeah. I created it. Or I made it. Cause you did it. And you now, went and chased
0: it. You went and.
1: Yeah, no, I did, and I've done that. I've been there. and I've done that. Do you know what? I always wanted to work at London Zoo it's my golden knife when I worked there I thought fucking hell where do you go from here do you know what I mean yeah because it's all I ever wanted to do yeah. and then suddenly when I was there I was like "Fucking hell!" and then I wanted Imperial and then you know it it, it built and it built and, and it just and Imperial got to a point where it got bigger than I wanted it to yeah do you know what I mean it was like yeah, fucking yeah. hell and then, and then I was under pressure because like oh Imperial Brother praga and I do more, and I was getting all the big events and I was like Oh my God. The pressure was building and then it never stopped. It never stopped. When I got home at night it never stopped talking i get on the computer. It, it ruined relationships. It it, it sort of, it, it, you know, stressed me out yeah, and yeah. that's why I'm glad I don't do it anymore.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: I've got someone, you know, I've got a line manager at work and yeah. get him worry about the stress. Yeah, exactly. I'll go work. Well, I do I can... my hours. I love what I do now. Yeah. I'm good at it and you know and I love it and and I'll get good money
0: I've got great perks and I will do the things I want to do yeah same with the gym train at an amazing gym sweatbox is an amazing gym Olympians are out there I go training when I want to go training I go spar if I want to spar I teach my kids classes there I teach my personal training there but if I don't want to go in I don't have to care who's washing the mats I don't have to care if the class is covered I just don't go just don't go and I go paragliding instead or I go and walk my dog or I do fuck or I want to watch TV and it makes no difference
1: that's exactly how it is for me now I know that I have to go work and do my hours but once my hours are done it's my time yeah. there is no worrying about you know these people you know do you know what when I first got in pure I had my personal mobile number on the website and you know what people would want well, to kind experience days, so I've got a phone call one at half eleven at night someone saying uh, all right, we we've got an experience day tomorrow. What's the weather going to be like? And I'd be like, "Well, I'm a fucking weatherman." It's like, <laughs> has it got Michael Fish, director of Imperial Bird of Prey Academy? And I was like, "Fuck!" This. And I took the, I took my number off of it just because. Yeah. I was so keen. I was so keen to like, you know, to, with the company, and I was, and I learned a lot about running a bird of prey center. Obviously, I was I was manager of Eagle Whites as well, so I'd already took you know I, and I, I i i'll never put anything down because I, you know what that place i learned so much at that place about the business and then you know i took all the good things from it and and i i, I put them into what i you know into my center you know all that experience and stuff and then all my experience you know my experience at the zoom experience at falconry, and i put it into the center and for the first year I think I messed up because I tried to concentrate too much on what falconers thought, and I'd have all these falcons, like you know, thousands of pounds worth of falcons on a weathering, and then the general public would come in and walk straight past
0: to look at an eighty-pound bar now. Yeah. So. And who paid, paid the bills? The falconers who cared about what peregrine you were flying, or the people? Paid, the, the people, paid the general public, that paid the bills, and
1: and when we decided to open a Kent I academy there was a reason for that. <clears throat> because i would got the experience knowing what the majority of people wanted and that's why I think that it's going to be a, a big success for Molly because you know
0: uh yeah you know, I think that's,
1: so it's what people like
0: yeah and you've learned your mistakes you know your market you know how to go with it exactly yeah and she can take from that as well yeah,
1: yeah. I mean she's got a lot of experience now under her belt she's watched me she's watched me suffer as well so she's only you know when we when I said decided to I said look you need to take the business over. I mean I just sit I'm a, a co-director and I just sit, and I still, you know I still the co-director I still half mine but it's, it's but people in. look at it now, like it's Molly's and I'm, I'm yep. cool with that, you know because she is there every day, working her ass off putting the time and the effort and the hours in. Yeah, you have her input and it's just enough. Exactly. So she if if come you, to me if she needs my help she asks me
0: she's not too shy to ask for my help but she's getting on doing it herself and you yeah. know future is bright so mate listen we've been at this 2 hours 15 minutes ok better, that's good <laughs> we better uh, we better wrap this people up people would have probably fell
1: asleep by the first hour of listening yeah
0: so that's what we're creating here is not podcasts it's a new sleep aid that's right it here beats counting sheep <laughs> fucking dumb and then Welsh listeners they uh <laughs> um yeah we better wrap this up and as you said, uh, the Kent Owl Academy websites and stuff for that www. Twitter. Twitter, Instagram, we're on it. Oh, we we utilise all the social
1: media we can. What's the web address? Sorry again, I cut you off. www.kentowlacademy.com. Perfect. But our Facebook page obviously is a, uh, you know. Yeah.
0: Very and you lively. personally, so you're not doing as much with the birds anymore, but you're a great animal trainer always post really cool videos and if people want to follow you and any stuff that you do, do you wanna put anything personal out there for them to follow? You?
1: Uh yeah, I mean I'm thinking about going down the the uh the road of doing some YouTubing. Oh yeah, some like, like live, vlogging or live videos, yeah some blogging with some animal training, bits of just general just the bits about my life, what I do with the animals
0: and yeah. a bit of fun. Be great, Are you really should sure do that. Not like a You know, trying to promote anything, just generally having a bit of fun. You should do that. And I think what you need to do is, from someone's perspective who's now doing this, you can't care about how other people do their stuff. You have to do it to your style. So I'm sure people are going to think this is shit if they compare it to some others, but this is what I've got and this is what I can offer. So this is what I do. You know, and that's how I think you have to do it. You have to just do your video blogs and your training stuff. I don't know what format you want to do them in as a training aid or to show but you have to just do it the way that you want to do it I just feel so many people say to me you know obviously I've got the book
1: I'm going to do the book on yeah, which I have done a couple of chapters I asked you to write a chapter for that years ago yeah so I have actually done a couple of chapters and it is I've already got people that are interested in publishing it people interested in uh, doing the, the artwork for it so you know it's all in place but I think People say to me so many times, "Oh, you're so interesting! All the stuff you do." And I suppose you know, if you don't show people what you do, you know, yeah. you need to show them. If you show them on video, blogging, you're actually showing them
0: yeah. what you're doing, you do. My know? dad said to me about this: What's your, "What are you doing it for? What's your angle? What are you looking to gain for? I'm like, "Well, isn't one?" He said, "So why? What are you doing it for then?" I was like, "Because I, I've got so many great people who I have great conversations with. It's just nice to share that. Like people." I would rather listen to this than music whilst I'm driving down the motorway. And I'm surrounded by great people like yourself. Sasha was my first guest. Kevin O'Hagan, you, you three who are going to be my my three podcasts that I've put in there, are great people who, have, who deserve a platform and have great stories to share. Share it if people want to listen; they can listen. If they don't, it'll sit there and have no hits on it. Like I'm okay with that. And if this one gets no no listeners. I'll do another one soon and if that gets noticed, I'll do the next one and I keep putting them out there because it's what I want to do and I feel that it helps me grow. Even sitting there and having to listen to other people's stories helps me grow as a person. So I do it for that reason and that's the reason you should do your video blogging. If nobody listens, if nobody presses the like button, who cares? Yeah. So that's what that's what my plans are for that. So should people follow you, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, etc.? Yeah. Do you want to put your stuff out there for them? and Yeah yeah just yeah. Uh, Nigel
1: you, King do you know what my Instagram yeah I've even forgot what it is
0: now Nigel King Fortune. oh you
1: know Nigel King
0: 4083 KOA there you go there you go so the shittest Instagram handle ever that's right <laughs> absolute shit I've done it one night when I was drunk just made it up yeah yeah, um, don't maybe. even know what I don't even know what the you can four change it I three think, means. You can change it. I think go on yeah. and find it. So Nigel I'll King animals. It from yeah, you can put like Nigel King animals or something like Nigel King mammals. Like just find Nigel King. You can just Nigel have, King animals. Yeah, <laughs> you could. So you could have a look at that because that is the shittest hit handle I've ever heard. Yeah, um Yeah, get following uh following immortal like the immortal eighty three one. Yeah, it's mine. That's right. Yes, yeah, not shit. That it's poignant. I'm relevant to who I am. <laughs> um yeah, so add Nig there you? obviously. Who are you? And who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who is she? Do you know who I am. <laughs> um yeah, so add you on there, keep in touch on there, and you're gonna put everything up that's coming up. So and you've still got people shouldn't be put you are still doing some bird talks and stuff this year and I'm doing all own. the talks, I do all the talks for the
1: Kent uh the the Essex Wildlife Trust. Which are great talks by the way. If you like wildlife and you like the wildlife centres in Essex, then go. Because I'm doing them most of the time. I've put evenings on and also now started to do the Kent Wildlife Trust talks as well. Lovely. All about indigenous birds. So come along, listen to the talks. Brilliant. Have a cup of
0: tea, slice of cake. Yeah. Aunt Sally might even be there. <laughs> yeah. And maybe one of them might be his first video blog or something. <laughs> but mate um, listen, it was great speaking, great doing this. I'm really looking forward to you doing those video blogs. Um, and we're definitely going to have to get together again because we haven't you know this is just a a chew the fat one sit and have a chat but we'll get together again we'll do another one because we got so much we could talk about but I had a blast it was a real good time and yeah thanks for coming on mate no problem my pleasure